Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride happy new year shy hearts it's 2022 Ooh, crazy uh, so crazy i know like where is time going I don't know. Uh, welcome to the first episode of Meet Us at Molly's for the new year, episode 207. We're covering the mid-season premieres today. It's 710, 1010, and 910. So yeah, it's been what, like two weeks since we've recorded, which in like podcast time is like three months. Has it only been two weeks? It feels like Eh, maybe been three, but yeah, something like that. But it's crazy. Like the other day, Noah even asked me, he was like, are you still doing the podcast? He's like, I haven't heard you record in so long. And I was like, yeah, we just didn't have new episodes. Like, it's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Fine. Yeah, the, the shows are back. I definitely, I had a minute prepping to record today where I was just like, okay, wait, how, how do I do this? Oh, okay. I remember. Yeah. No, <laughs> last night I was like, wait, how do I live tweet again? Like what, like, what is this feeling? Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but I'm glad they're back. I'm I've missed them. Yeah. I'm glad they're back. I mean, I think, I think these mid season premieres left a little something to be desired, but I also don't know if that is just me there's a lot going on in life right now so um I, I I felt like it was good but like not the strongest I think yeah I think they I think even some we'll get to them but I think even some of them were pretty strong and then their endings were just like what the fuck mainly fire and pd yeah. <laughs> like I liked both episodes and then the ending I was like well what the fuck wait what huh right but we'll get there we'll get yeah, there. yeah. we'll get there so um, as always, we like to start with the news. We do have like two weeks of pent up news, but it's not a ton. It's pretty much just like episode descriptions. So yeah, cool. So we have the episode descriptions for next week, episodes 11. So we'll start off with Chicago Med. This is called The Things We Thought We Left Behind. Okay. Crockett and Blake clash with Randall when a famous alcoholic football player needs a liver transplant. Dylan is reluctantly reunited with old friends when their son breaks his arm. Stevie and Dr. Charles work together when a patient falls ill after back alley plastic surgery. That sounds fun. I'm curious. I'll be curious to see if Dylan's like old friends are PD, not obviously PD, like the show PD, but like PD related. And like, we'll learn more of his PD backstory because that's always been really exciting. So I hope they're kind of related to that. Um, But yeah, the rest seems like a solid episode i'm excited for stevie and dr charles too so that'll be good that'll be good i mean i've got to admit on with i i turned on dr blake this week i, I for for weeks i've been like but sarah rafferty i love her oh my god and this week i'm like fuck you dr blake oh i've i mean yes obviously i don't have like i've never really seen sarah rafferty in anything so i don't have any ill nature towards her mm-hmm. but I've never liked Dr. Blake I still don't like Dr. Blake like literally the whole time I was watching I was like eh, gross I don't <laughs> like I don't like her I don't like her yeah so uh that'll be a trip but again Meta's our safe show so 
Yes. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah. Oh, and the bonus, which I guess we'll talk to in the med portion, is that like we're keeping Michael Rady? I thought he was done. I thought he was done too. And I guess maybe he's still, I, obviously he won't be around as much, but like if he just wants to pop up every now and then, uh, give it to me. I'll take it. I, I will take him it. as a villain too. It's so bad. <laughs> I will take it. I will take it. Yeah, same, 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 same. So take us through fire. Okay, so fire 1011 is called Fog of War. And it says, on a call with Station 37, a firefighter is struck by a power line and decides to lash out after her injury. Brett is visited by Scott and Amelia. Violet gets a surprise envelope. The rest of 51 enters a contest. Okay. I'm curious to see what the surprise envelope is that Violet gets. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what that means. I'm also curious about this like sort of turn that we've taken on Pelham. Again, I'll, I'll, we haven't recorded in two weeks. I'm excited to talk <laughs> on Chicago, okay? Like, yeah, we took a turn on Pelham in this week's episode. And I'm just kind of like, where, what are we, where are we going with that? Because that promo seemed to make it seem like it was his fault that this girl gets injured. Yeah, yeah, I, and that's, I clearly by the, even the episode description, it makes it seem that like, if she's lashing out, it probably is because she thinks that somebody at 51 is at fault, which who it seems like from the promo seems to be Pelham. I don't know, but we'll get there when we get to the, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, PD 911 is called Lies. Voight employs his new informant to help solve a tricky drug trafficking case. Atwater, who once again struggles to reconcile his personal and professional life, reaches a decision. This is like vague, 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 vague. Like, okay, let's just call a spade a spade. When I hear Voight is using his new informant, the first thing I think is like, ugh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But. But I also wonder, okay, so clearly this is going to be an Atwater episode, right? Like Voight Atwater-ish. But so you're telling me we're going to get no resolution to the Michaela stuff from this week in next week's episode? Probably not. I hate, this is why I hate PD right now. No, it's total bullshit. It's total bullshit. Yeah. I hate it. I just want to know. Like... I gotta save it for the PD section. Damn it! <laughs> I know, I, I know. We just have feelings, guys. Have feelings. It's fine. She doesn't even go here. Love that movie. <sighs> okay. So then we get into the week after. So th- these are the episodes for what January twelfth. So now we're getting into the episodes for January nineteenth. So yes, correct. Not not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. Okay. Episodes twelve. Brenda, start us off with Med. Med 712 is called What You Don't Know Can't Hurt You. And it says, Will and Stevie get stuck in the middle of a marital face-off. Dr. Blake's entire surgical team mysteriously collapses during a liver transplant. And Charles encourages Ethan to reconcile with his father. There's a lot here. Yeah. I'm ex- I mean, obviously we had kind of already known that Ethan was coming back for this episode and then he's going to leave again for another like six episodes, but to reconcile with his father, like that sounds really interesting. I'm very here for that. We don't know anything about his father. No, we only know about a sister. Okay. So this is the first time reading about Dr. Blake's entire surgical team, but like, listen, when you're a medical show, chances are like Grey's Anatomy has been there, done that. Right. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, the patient's septic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's sepsis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
just like check that one off the box it's really sad yeah or I think like gas coming I don't know I think just of all the other like um first responder shows that I feel like oh there's a gas leak somewhere in the thing that like obviously flood through the air vents and landed in the room and they've all clapped like that's what I don't know like little things like that I'm like that's what I'm thinking of when you watch enough shows like you kind of know you're like okay it can only be one of like 10 things so like let's just go through and figure (laughs) out like what it could be so you know what I did the other night um 911 Lone Star just came back this week and I was Uh. watching the premiere and uh the guy who got like decapitated right when uh, they tried to pack it with snow, I was like, oh, I was like, this makes total sense. Cause like, you're not dead till you're warm and dead. And Charlie just did like the Kermit meme where he just was like the side stare of like, how do you, what? <laughs> and it just came out. I was like, oh, I just, I watched enough medical shows that I just knew that. <laughs> like, um, I don't know if that was a third watch thing or if that was a graze thing. Um, but like, don't feel like that was a grace thing. I can like recite the line when he's like, you're not dead until you're warm and dead. And until then you're just kind of stopped. I think it's grace. Uh, Is it? And now I'm like Googling the line. You're not, you're dead. not dead until you're warm and dead. Let's see. No, now this is all coming up with like medical journals. I was like, this is not what I want. Um, I'm going to try and Google this too. Oh wait, I, I gotta- think it is. Hold on. It may be Grace. Because they had a case when, like, some patient was, like, in a super, super, like, hypothermic, ridiculous, cold situation. And I, I can hear the line. And I want to say Arizona was the one who said it, but I could be completely wrong. I have a ridiculous memory. You do. I know. I know. It just yeah. comes with the territory. I don't know. I can't find it right this second, but I definitely think it was Grays. I think it was Grays, and I think Arizona said it. Sorry, I'm stress-eating M&Ms. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Hmm. But anyway, sounds like a good episode. Yeah, it does sound good. It does sound good. Um, Will and Stevie, I'm like, ooh, yes, give it to yeah, me. Yeah, again, we'll get there. We will. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah. Okay. Fire 1012, this is called Show of Force. Bowden, Kid, and Severide work together to protect one of their own. At the Fire Academy, Herman meets an inspiring young man. Talk of the annual CFD gala dominates the firehouse. Oh, we're doing the gala again? Uh, that's exciting. Mm. Protect one of their own, though. If somebody's coming for somebody in 51, like, I will fight. I wonder, though... Bowden kid Severide, would it be Pelham? Mm. Right? Like just in terms of that trio. And if you're talking about protecting one of their own, like Pelham after, if he is the one that's in trouble from the week prior, would mm. that make sense? Yeah. Or maybe it's that thing that freaking Lieutenant was talking about last night, but like we've done this before. So I'm kind of like, why are we still coming after? I don't him? know, but that would make sense, right? Yeah. Quite, quite, I mean, with, again, we have no idea about anything. We're just guessing here, but mm-hmm. like Pelham? Hmm. Question mark? I don't know. <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Take us to PD. Okay. And then PD 912 is called To Protect. And it says the team works together to identify the head of the brutal Los Tomitos gang. Voight dives deeper into his informant, Anna Avalos' past, when her undercover role is threatened. Okay. 
I don't care. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, okay. Whatever. Yeah. She's like, eh. she's going to screw them over. I mean, we called that the minute she came into, into play. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, no, don't care. Don't care. So, nope. um, last up, we've got some late breaking news. I think we all know it because it dropped like right before the show's aired this week. But Chicago Fire has paused production due to some co- positive COVID tests. And uh, there were, the article that came out, it did confirm that there were some cases in zone A and zone A is basically cast, crew, and people who have like really close access with the people we see on our screen each week. So they had resumed production after the holiday break and they filmed on, I think, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, before the cast and crew were notified of the shutdown. So now they're doing contact tracing and everything. And basically they've just, they've shut down just to be safe. And they're hoping to get running by early next week. So, I mean, this variant is just, like, insane. Yeah. Um, But it's good that they're only hoping to shut down for a couple days. Like, it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple, you know. I think at this point, with everyone being vaccinated and, well, a lot of people being vaccinated. I won't say everyone, but with a lot of people being vaccinated, obviously, you can still get it. But it seems like if you're vaccinated, it's obviously less and less the symptoms and it's still less severe. So it's good that they think they're going to be back up and running by next week and that, you know, it won't really affect things too badly. I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how your circle is with your family and friends right now, but like it's, it's coming to a point with my friends where I'm like, who doesn't have it? Um, my boss has it. My friend, uh, well, (laughs) my friend Heidi has it after her husband got it. And then, um, yeah, just like I, I have a lot of friends who have it right now, and it's just like it's crazy. I'm just like, oh my god, this thing is spreading so quickly. My boss has it; it's nuts. Well, one of our mutual friends has it too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I feel like comparatively to other people, I know less people who have gotten it, but still, I mean, yeah, you get into the point where like my cousin just had it. Um, one of my friends' dads, just, like you know, like it's all every you know at some point. Like, I feel like before the last little bit, you definitely knew people who had COVID, but it wasn't as many. And then now it's like, okay, well, everybody. Yeah, my oldest niece just had it last week. Um, but I mean, the consensus from from my boss and, you know, another person from work I talked to who has it, both of them were like, okay, like, it's like a mild cold-ish for them, which is good. Uh, I know my boss was saying that he, he basically, like, he felt sicker when he had the regular flu, but also he was like, no, it's kind of weird. Cause like, I feel worse than I actually am. Cause like he said, he's like, he's like, I think I, I would think I have energy. And then I go to sit up and be like, never mind, scratch that. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary yeah, for sure. How many more Greek letters are there? Surely we're running out of variants by now. Who knows? I know. I know. It's crazy. I can't believe we've been in this mess for two years now. I know it's wild. Oh my God. It's crazy. So uh, yeah, so uh, that's about all we've got for the news. You guys know the drill. If you see anything, send it to us. We so appreciate that. One of our listeners sent us uh, a really cool interview a couple of days ago that uh, Nick Gelfus had done with, I think, a local Chicago paper talking about like some audition that he blew. Uh, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I was like, thank you for sending this. This is a great article. It's a fun read. So anything you see, yes, please do send it our way. There's often a lot of stuff that we don't see. So uh, we've got some patron shout outs. We've got a lot actually, which is cool. Okay. So we've got what? Four, three, four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Four. four new patron shout outs for the week. So 
Heather Burrows, welcome to the family. Thank you for supporting the podcast. I think you're going to like it here. We have a lot of fun. Um, Chris Judd, welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you're already in the Facebook group, so thank you for joining and we really appreciate it. Yes. Claire Lawrence. Hello. Welcome. I don't know if you're in the Facebook. No, you are in the Facebook group, right? Or no? I don't think. Is she? I don't. Yes, I think so. I think so. Okay, good. Welcome to the fam. Thank you so much for supporting us. We're so glad you're here. And last up, Taylor Kavaluskis. Did I say that right? We're sorry if we mispronounced it. Yeah, yeah. I should have tried to Google it, but... Taylor, regardless, we're really excited that you're here. I don't think you're in the Facebook group, but make sure you're joined. Um, But yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. So if you guys would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can check out the link in our socials, um, get the link to our Patreon page. We're about what, like 75 strong now, maybe like approaching 80. Yeah. What? What? I know. But we have so much fun together, guys. Uh, The Facebook group is the best. Uh, we, it, yeah, we, we have a blast in there and we're probably, we're, we're going to do some live watches over the Olympics. Like, yeah. And we really need to do, we need to do another bonus episode. We've been bad about yeah, that. We know but... we haven't done one in a while. We're sorry about that. We got to get on that. Yeah. Oops. Um, we'll get one in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, check the link in our socials. Let us know if you have any questions. Uh, we would love to have you aboard. So, all right. Um, well, Marvel Roundup. We wanted to do a little one, didn't we? We talked about it. Yeah, we can do a tiny little one. Um, you guys, again, we haven't recorded in two weeks in podcast time that feels like a lifetime. Ten years. For Brian and I, for Brian and I not to see each other on Zoom for like more than a week at a time, it's kind of it's weird. Like <laughs> it's weird. So uh we wanted to do a little bit of a Marvel roundup just because we can. So uh, we're gonna put it in the show notes of like the timestamp here. So if you are not a Marvel person, you can skip ahead and get right to the episodes. But we wanted to talk Hawkeye and we wanted to talk Spider-Man No Way Home. Spoilers are going to happen. If you have not seen them, skip ahead. Skip ahead right now. Look in the show notes, find the timestamp, skip ahead. Okay. Ready? Marvel spoilers. Five, four, three, two. One. Okay. Hawkeye. Um, we differed on this one, didn't we? You loved it. I loved every second of it. Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was good. It just wasn't like my favorite. Uh, yeah, I loved, I mean, I think I kind of had like, I don't want to say like high, high expectations for it, <laughs> but I've always loved Hawkeye. I, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know why really. I've just always loved him. Um, and I loved every second of it. I loved him and Kate's like buddy cop friendship, mm-hmm. whatever work partnership, whatever you want to call it. I loved obviously all the Yelena stuff, um, the Clinton, Natasha, like all the flashbacks to like that relationship, like all killed me. I liked the Echo stuff. I just, I love the Christmassy vibes. Like I just, I loved every, it was so much fun. I loved, I loved it. Yeah, it it was good. It wasn't it wasn't quite my favorite, but it was good. I'm obsessed with Yelena, you guys. I love her so much. She's She's so so funny. funny. She's so So funny. funny. Um, I think Yelena was a highlight for me, and also Kingpin was a highlight for me because um I've commenced binging Daredevil and I'm obsessed. Oh my god, it's amazing. So 
I had already started like the pilot of Daredevil before Hawkeye. And then when I saw Kingpin, I was like, okay, now I'm diving in full force. And Daredevil is so good. Oh my God, it's so good. I pretty much text Bryna like every couple of days. And I'm like, can you please start binging it now? How about now? What about now? It's so good. I need it's to. so good. So yeah, those were the highlights for me. I am intrigued by this whole Agent 19 stuff with Laura. Yeah. Like, where are we going with that? There's been a lot of debate lately as to whether Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon at all now. Well, I think it's always been up for debate on whether it's canon, but like, um, I don't know. Yeah. I I, I mean, clearly, I don't think they, I mean, I don't think they're making two different agents, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's like an alternate universe kind of thing. Maybe she's an Agent 19 in a different timeline. Maybe, but then, I don't know. But then how do you explain, obviously it is, I think it is canon up into a certain point. Cause obviously, right. You had all the Hydra stuff. Like they made a point when that stuff was first premiering to tie it into like the Captain America Winter Soldier movie and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But then, and obviously you have um, all the Coulson stuff. So like, is that a different version of Coulson? Like, I, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a petition going around the internet to like do a, or like pretty much revive Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and bring it back. Um, Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I do have to finish that. I did trail off at a certain point. You know what? It was, it was the season that Dominic was in actually when uh, they were in the spaceship. I stopped then. I got a. I yeah, I dived off a long time ago, but it, I really wanted to everything that I've been watching. I'm like, I really want to go back and rewatch Agent Carter. I really like that one. And I really want to go back and rewatch it. Oh, I keep saying I need to do that, especially because Chad is in it. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I really need you to start Daredevil. It's so good. I've seen the pilot. I just haven't gone past it yet. It's so good. It's so, so good. Oh my God. Charlie Cox. Like, where has he been all my life? Oh my God. Which is a perfect segue to No Way Home. Yeah. Um, that movie broke my heart. It's so good. It broke my heart. I think that's my favorite. Like if we're including everything, like I think Hawkeye would be my favorite of the Marvel shows mm-hmm. with like a WandaVision, a close second. I think if we're picking just overall, like everything that Marvel came out with mm-hmm. this year, Spider-Man would be at the top. Yeah. Okay. So there was a tweet that went around right before the end of the year asking people to like rank all the Marvel projects from 2021. Yes. I did mine. I'm curious about yours because I'm, I'm pulling up the tweet now to see how I ranked them. I know. Um, and it's like movies and shows together in right. one big list. So right. let, me, let me scroll past all of my obsessive tweets about Daredevil. I have to like think I'm like, while you're doing that, I'm like quickly making a list. Okay. Okay. I've got my list. You want to hear mine? Okay. Yes. Um, one through nine. Okay. Top to bottom. My top for 2021 was WandaVision. Uh-huh. Hands down. I loved it so much. It was so creative. Oh my God. It was so good. Number two is Loki. Uh, I, honestly, it should have. I, I it, it could have been tied between Loki and WandaVision. Both of them were absolutely brilliant, in my opinion. Loved them both. Okay, Spider Man No Way Home is a third, and that is it's more a testament to WandaVision and Loki than it is that I'm like, oh, Spider Man just deserves to be third. No, Spider or WandaVision and Loki were just that good. So uh-huh. that's my number three. Okay, um, my phone just left me out. Why does it do that? That's just so rude. Okay. Okay, then at four, I've got Shang-Chi. Again, the previous three were just that good that it topped Shang-Chi. I loved Shang-Chi, okay? Uh-huh. Black Widow at five. 
Mm-hmm. Hawkeye, at, Hawkeye at six. Falcon and the Winter Soldier at seven. And this is where the dividing line comes in between seven and eight. So one through seven are projects that I loved. I really, really loved them. Okay. Eight and nine, I just did not like at all. Eight is what if, nine is Eternals, where it belongs. I said what I said. Interesting. Okay. I just made one quickly. I haven't, again, really thought about it. I think this would definitely be my order. I think probably. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go with this. We're going to go with this. Um, Spider-Man, I think is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd put Hawkeye at number two. WandaVision at three. Loki at four. <gasps> Shang-Chi at five. Black Widow at six, Eternals at seven, Falcon and Winter Soldier at eight, and nine is what if. I really don't want people to forget the message that was conveyed in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel like that's getting buried a lot because people are just like, that was the worst of the Marvel shows. That was trash. Okay, but they talked about a lot of important stuff. But I don't think they did it well. I don't think, and I don't think they needed to talk about some of that. I think that's part for me, at least. I think that's some of the reason that I don't, not that they didn't need to talk about it. Right. But I don't think they handled it as well as they could have. Like to me, it just felt like way over. I don't know. I felt like Falcon when winter soldier was kind of a hot mess. And as much as I love, like, this is coming from someone who loves like Captain America, who loves winter soldier, who loves Falcon, who loves like all those characters sharing, you know, like I love that world. But I really, I thought Falcon and Winter Soldier was kind of a, like, hot mess. Look, um, I will follow Sebastian Stan anywhere, so I didn't hate it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. no, this, this is me. I mean, this has nothing to do with that. I thought they were great. I just mm-hmm. think the writing was not that good. Um, that's fair. That's fair. What if I had a hard time paying attention to? I would get bored pretty quickly with what if. Yeah, I think the problem for me with what if was that like it has a point to it right like obviously towards the end like you know there's a point to it and I think obviously we're getting the second season of what if and like I there is a point to it but I wish they had somehow established the point or like even though it's supposed to be like loosely connected episodes you know like right you could watch one and then Mm -hmm. another one and then you know and they're kind of loosely connected I wish they had there had been more of a little bit of an overarching plot Mm -hmm. because like otherwise you kind of come to the end and you're like wait what like all these things were supposed to come together and make a different you know Avengers style team and it's like wait what huh Mm -hmm. I don't know it just felt kind of like out of left field Uh, but otherwise I thought what if was also kind of a hot mess yeah, it wasn't my favorite. It was not my favorite. Um, we were talking about Spider-Man, right? We were. We were. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I that again, it, the whole movie broke my heart. Can we also talk about the fact that like that movie was just absolutely like heartbreaking and gut wrenching, and then they have the balls to play that absolute bop of Three Is a Magic Number in the credits. I don't really think I even remember the song, but yeah. Oh, sure. We'll insert a clip here, but. Yeah, an absolute bop like that had no business being so catchy after we were like crying our eyes out I don't know I just I think my favorite thing about I mean obviously I love a lot about that movie I thought 
it's amazing. I think kind of one of the crazy things to me is that obviously that's not what they had planned, right? It's not like they created three separate fr- Spider-Man franchises with the mm-hmm. idea of like doing a multiverse and then ultimately connecting them all. Like that was obviously not the plan 20 years ago, yeah. but the fact that they were able to pull it off and have it work so well with the multiverse storyline and still moving the current MCU forward, I just thought, I mean, it's it's a work of art. It really, it really is. It really is. And the execution was just perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Now, full disclosure, I've never seen the Andrew Garfield Spider mo- uh, Spider-Man movies. Never seen them. So I haven't, I haven't seen them in a long time. And like, this has kind of made me want to go back and rewatch them. Cause like, mm-hmm. I've never loved any of the Spider-Man movies until the Tom Holland ones, but like, I feel like now maybe I wonder if I'm overlooking them. Cause I really did like Andrew Garfield in this one, but yeah. like, I don't know. I think thanks to this movie, I'm now in like a full-blown Andrew Garfield slash Charlie Cox phase, which I saw this TikTok a couple of weeks ago where somebody was like, you know, of course, Sony thought we'd all be simping for Tom Holland after this movie, but really everybody's simping for Andrew Garfield and Charlie Cox. And I was like, well, I feel attacked. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely in an Andrew Garfield phase. He's incredible. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, so. it's really good. And I, I don't know. I just liked it. I just everything about it. I just, I loved it. I love. I love that they brought the old villains back. It, it was just, it was really, really yeah. good. But like, Aunt May. Just I know it. that broke me. The other thing that really broke me is obviously the end when like he doesn't have MJ and Ned anymore, and he goes in the diner or whatever that ice cream shop or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and like. He thinks they're going to recognize him and then he can't. And it's just, oh my God, that whole scene. And I was like, I mean, I think I obviously always liked Peter and MJ, like the idea of them. But then I watched this this movie and I was like, oh, fuck, like <laughs> Peter and MJ forever. Like, uh. I'm going to be really pissed if Doctor Strange does not fix that mess in his movie. Like, fix that mess. Find that timeline and fix it. I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think it's getting fixed in Dr. Strange. I mean, I'm not saying it'll never get fixed because I don't think that's going to be the case either, but I don't think it's getting fixed in Dr. Strange. I got out of that movie and after like both credit scenes and I was like, my friends were like talking about it and I just looked at them and I was like, so we're not going to, we're just going to leave Peter out there. Like, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to like leave him alone and just, we're okay with that. Like, that's not, that's not cool. That's not cool. I'm not okay with that. I could not get that movie out of my head for days. Yeah, it was really good. Cut to me also drunk texting Brian one night and being like, how is Peter spending Christmas? Yeah, that did happen. That did happen. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings, okay? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, we've also got to talk about the rumor that dropped today. Today being Thursday. Uh, yeah, the rumor. Oh I'm, I'm the like- rumor. I'm dying. I'm just like, sound the alarm. I'm dead. RIP me. Okay. So there's a rumor that dropped uh, this. Well, okay. You're listening to this on Friday. There's a rumor that dropped yesterday that Justin freaking Timberlake is in talks to join the MCU. Oh my God. Justin Timberlake in the MCU. Could you imagine? You would die. I this would is die. Like, this is like when I found out that Josh Cigar is going to be in She-Hulk and I still am not over it. I'm like, literally, I think She-Hulk is maybe my most, well, that and Thor Love and Thunder are probably my two most anticipated for next year solely because of Josh Cigar. Like, I don't even care about the plot, whatever. It's fine. But like, 
Chastagara in the MCU like kill me I'm gonna so, oh world's gonna colliding die. world's colliding I'm gonna die I, I, Justin Timberlake in the MCU I just I'm like oh my god okay well don't get your um, hopes up yet until it's like officially confirmed oh I hope he says yes he better say yes like please join the MCU all of the 30 something year old depressed millennials need it like Please, please, please. There was also a rumor that Charlize Theron is in talks to join the MCU, but you know, when I see I Justin mean, at this Timberlake, point, I who's not in talks to join the MCU? Us. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, but like, you know, you know. Jesse Spencer, Taylor Kenny. Um <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Oh, Justin Timberlake in the MCU. Okay. I'm good. Ooh, and scene. Okay. Yeah. So that was our Marvel roundup. Okay. You can tune back in now. We're done talking Marvel. All right. Without further ado, let's move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Starting with Med, as always. Okay. This episode was like all work and no play. There, this was all information. Like it was a very dense episode, in my opinion. What did you think? There was a lot. I honestly think it would have been stronger if you took out like two storylines like I don't think there was so much happening I just don't think you needed some of the other stuff uh, this is this is like when PD has an episode that is all case right and it's just information heavy from start to finish I feel like that that's the feeling I got out of this episode like as much as I like we'll get there but as much as I like the Maggie and Vanessa stuff and then obviously the Archer and Dylan stuff kind of tied into the Blake and stuff but like I didn't need those two things in this episode right like I needed obviously the Goodwin stuff we needed the Will and Stevie stuff um you need kind of the Marcel and Dr. Blake stuff like those I think are kind of the three big pillars from where episode nine left off Mm -hmm. but like I didn't need the Vanessa and Maggie stuff in this episode specifically and I feel like it would have been better saved and almost better appreciated in a different episode where it could have had a little more time to shine but it just felt so much happened and I feel like it kind of just got thrown under the rug a little bit yeah yeah it was a lot okay so we're gonna start off with Goodwin because you know she was the first one to see in the, in the episode usually it's whoever has the first scene is who we start with okay so Goodwin gets out of the car to like straight up paparazzi she gets out there's like cameras reporters Miss Goodwin Miss Goodwin answer this question answer that question I feel like we're making a mountain out of a molehill in this whole storyline, okay? Like, everybody has turned on her. I'm like, you guys know she did a good thing, right? Well, and ironically, though, that's what um, lawyer guy tells her later on. He's like, yeah, you know, like, the board basically can't fire you because you're the hero, but, like, they're not happy with you either. I don't get it. Like, this whole storyline, I was like, we're making something out of nothing. Like, everybody knows that, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I thought... Obviously, I knew, right, it was going to be a shit show and Mm -hmm. there's going to be investigations upon investigations, Mm -hmm. you know, like that all makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously the press is going to have a field day with it. Like all of that stuff makes sense. I guess I thought Goodwin would have, there wouldn't be, have been as much hostility towards Goodwin, but I don't know. And Will, I was surprised on both ends. I was just like, really? Like, really? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. Something, I, I feel like- something happens to one of my coworkers, I'm going to have their back. I'm going to be like, no, I, I get this. Like I have their back. I support that person. But like, well, depending on the situation. Well, yeah, depending. But if it's something like this, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like go little rockstar. I got you. But 
I, I was just really, I was surprised at the reaction. I was really surprised. So Dr. Charles is like the best BFF this episode, the best. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to take you and we're going to go inside and get out of here and like get away from this. This is really weird. So Goodwin's like, no, like I did what I did. I know what I did. I'm worried about the hospital, but Dr. Charles is like, the dust will settle. Like it always does. You're going to be fine. Cut to Cooper's father-in-law walking down the stairs. This man has a very punchable face. Did you notice that? I can't stand the man. And we don't, I know we don't know him that well. And like, obviously we're never going to know him that well, but like, get the fuck out of here. Like, we don't want you. That's an extremely punchable face, especially when he's telling Goodwin, like, oh, I heard whistleblowers get awarded like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, bye. Leave. Bye. Gone. Boy, bye. Get out of here. Boy, bye. (laughs) Be gone. Yeah. Very punchable face. Very punchable face. And that, that was the other thing too, that I'm like, I was like, really? Like, maybe I just have too much faith in people, but I was like, that's so like shitty of you to assume that she just went after the award. Yeah. Well, I mean- I think, you know, obviously part of this was all his plan, you know, like, you know, Cooper, I don't think it's roped into this if it's not for him. So obviously I think he's probably pissed because he's losing millions and millions of dollars himself. So mm, I'm sure, I you know, mm. you didn't end up in jail, but you lost money. Like, oh, poor know. baby has to resort to making money legally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> World's tiniest violin. <laughs> Yeah, cue Justin Timberlake's Crimea River, but like, <laughs> yeah, so much Justin talk tonight. I'm so happy. <laughs> okay. So Goodwin goes to check in with Will and she just reassures him like, we're going to get through this. This is going to be okay. So when she's finished, she goes upstairs to realize that they just had a board meeting without her. Like, are we in seventh grade? What are we doing? Basically. What are we- Didn't you know that hospital politics is just really the middle school all over again? I think I think that was what was most shocking to me in this episode. I was like, people really act like this. Like you, you yes. never actually outgrow middle school. Yes. What? Yes. So like, I went to grad school for nothing. Then I could have just graduated college and acted like I was in seventh grade and gotten even further. Well, no, really, we could have just all graduated middle school and been done with it and just like repeated middle school again and again and again. Man. I know. It would have been so much easier. <laughs> I'd be in so much less debt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So she talks to Peter, attorney guy. Um, I've had I've had attorney guy's name wrong this entire time. I went from not knowing his name to thinking his name was Arthur to now knowing his actual name is Peter. <laughs> oh, we are so sorry, actor who plays Peter. We're so sorry. I'm just going to keep calling him lawyer guy because I'm not going to remember it. This is like the bit from Parks and Rec where they call Larry something different every single season. And Bryna has no idea what I'm talking about because she's never seen Parks and Rec. (sighs) Yeah. So one day we will know his name. Peter. Peter. His name is Peter. Okay. Spider-Man, but not Spider-Man. Okay. So... Yeah, and good Goodwin is like, they can't silence me by not including me in meetings. Like, that's fucking stupid. Lawyer guy is like, he's like, I'm a Sharon Goodwin ally. And at that moment, I was like, I'm a Sharon Goodwin ally. Yeah, same. (laughs) Sharon Goodwin allies assemble. Same. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Um but he also makes a point. He's like, Yeah, like they can't fire you. You're the hero. So they're just like ghosting you as a way to punish you, which like middle school politics really yep again seriously 
So then Sharon goes back to her office and we meet a certain Dr. Shentu. Okay, this guy. So he works for a healthcare consultancy firm. Do I have that right? I think I yes. do. Okay. Um, we've got to talk about this guy's credentials first off. Okay. So Sharon looks at his card and she's like, you've got a lot of letters here, like CEO, whatever, MD and JD. Bro, MD and JD. Do you know what that means? That means homeboy went to yes. law school and med school. Yes. When, when, when does he sleep? I know it's yeah. Like I have the JD part. And even then most days my brain is part like fried. I couldn't even imagine packing that in with the MD part. Yeah. There was somebody that my dad used to work with and I don't think he had a JD, but it was like MBA, MD, PhD, like, like literally like kind of one of those things where it's like so many letters after his name. And I'm like, bro. Like, oh man, you know what must be crazy is the amount of debt that man is in. Oh shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, unless you come from a well off family, but yeah. Yeah, but like that's a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like med school is like double or triple the debt of law school. Oh, I'm sure, but I'm still just like floored by that. I just hearing the credentials, I was like, what? It's not important, but still. Anyway, so. We pulled a clip here so you can kind of get to know him a little bit. You mean med's business shouldn't happen behind closed doors? Exactly. Well said. I hope so. It's been my mission at med since I started here as a nurse 35 years ago. I'm sorry. I meant no disrespect. And I need to acknowledge your leadership. Exposing Dr. Cooper's abuse of the VASCOM was brave. Admirable. I'm not here to be an obstructionist, but right now, Med's in trouble. And uh, if it gets worse, ultimately it'll be the patients that suffer. I don't want that. Then we have something in common. He's basically PR for hospitals. Yeah, but he's also, we don't like him. Like, I'm like, I, I just got bad vibes immediately from him. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We don't trust this man. No. The minute he started talking, I was like, I hate you. Yeah. No way. I, yeah, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. No, no. He sounds very full of shit. Yeah. And he seems to be sticking around. So like, yeah. Um, you know what I did laugh at has when, right when he was about to leave the room, he turns around and he's like, so you had a young doctor, like totally upstage Santa Claus and announced that like somebody in the hospital was her mom. And the first reaction I had was, I know. Right. And then the other reaction I had was like, that's none of your damn business. Yeah. Well, and then clearly it is because obviously that effect, that's like the whole Maggie and Vanessa stuff. And I'm like, uh, as soon as he said that too, I was like, oh, they're going after Maggie and Vanessa. And I was like, fuck, why? It's none of your damn business, sir. Right. Like, what does it matter? This no. is so stupid. None of your damn business. But it was just funny how like, you know, we kind of roasted them for that. But now somebody else wants to roast them. We're like, back the fuck up. Like, no, sir. No. Nobody comes to our babies. Like, no, that's not how this goes. We get to roast them. Not you. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. So later on, Goodwin 
tells Dr. Charles, she's like, I'm really questioning if I did the right thing. And he's such a good BFF. He's like, not only did you do the right thing, but I'm taking you out for an expensive ass dinner right now. I love it. So love much. There's such like good BFFs. I love yeah. it. So they go out to this super nice restaurant and they're just like laughing, having a best friend time, whatever. And Matt freaking Cooper shows up. I did not expect that. I mean, I knew like they make the claim like in the very beginning, right? That he's like out of jail or on bail. Like I got that he's out of jail. So that didn't surprise me, but like, I did not see him. come. I didn't really, I thoroughly thought he was just going to be done. Okay, so so I have a question here. Is that was this Matt Cooper or was this Michael Rady hot off the set of a, a Hallmark movie? Because he looked damn good. <laughs> I mean, he always looks good, but like, like this whole setup of like he had the suit and like the perfectly fitted coat over it, and then he had he had like the Will Halstead like blown back hair. I was just like, he looks good. No, we hate him. <laughs> but also, he looks good. But also, he looks good. But also, we hate you. Uh, yeah, so he gets to the restaurant he walks up and he's like you can come at me as hard as you want but it doesn't matter because i'm gonna win and you're gonna lose i love the smile sharon kept on her face the whole time of like hey asshole that's not true i'm gonna kick your ass i thought that was fantastic yeah but i'm curious to see where it goes like are we gonna see more of cooper was this like a one-time thing like how long does this go on like i just have so many questions yeah, because I definitely thought we were getting rid of Michael Rady. And then when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't even, I'd see, I'm so bad about paying attention to credits. Like sometimes I'll notice it, but very rarely do. And uh, so I didn't even notice it. I was, so it was honestly a shock. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I just, I have questions. I'm intrigued. Like, Cause I know in my heart of hearts, like Goodwin did the right thing. She did the right thing right across the board. She blew the whistle on really fucked up misconduct that was happening. I'm a little sweary tonight. I'm sorry, but she did the right thing. And like, it's so clear who's in the right and who's in the wrong here. Well, yeah. And I even going back to the Dr. Shintu stuff and, you know, obviously the board has hired them to make sure. And she, you know, they have that whole conversation about like, you know, we're on the same page, you know, uh, we're here for transparency, yada, yada, yada. Um, I guess I'm just curious to see where that goes and like whether anything changes from that. Like, are they really on the same page or like is Shintu going to try to like weasel his way in and do other fucked up shit? Like, I don't know. I just have so many questions. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm intrigued. And and I'm I honestly don't hate Dr. Cooper as a villain. I know he's been a villain the entire time, but now he's like a he's like a full-on villain. No, he was I don't think he, I mean, yes, I guess he was a villain and technically he was doing things that he shouldn't have done, but I wouldn't say he was a villain. Hmm. True. I still want to know his motives though, and like if he knew he was doing a bad thing. Yes, I'd say yes, but I'd say it was pressure from the father-in-law, obviously. <laughs> like, I think if, you know, Jessa or whoever else and, you know, had gone up to Cooper just by himself and said, hey, do the that, you know, do this, whatever. I don't know if Cooper does it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. But. So uh, did you also catch the part where Vascom is, or Vasic, whatever the company name is, they're trying to throw Jessa under the bus for the whole thing. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah 
this poor girl, I feel so bad for her. She's like 12 and corporate America is just chewing her up. But she got involved in fucked up shit. So I, I really don't feel that bad for her. I'm willing to bet anything she did not know she was getting involved in fucked up shit. She probably thought it was okay because she's like a fetus in corporate America for the first time. Uh, part of me feels bad for her, but you know. No. I know, I know. If you watch Succession, like I was going to say, I was like, but I also am that person who like majorly sympathizes with Kendall Roy. For those of you who watch Succession, I know, Bryna, that means nothing, but I, part of me feels bad for her. I just, I don't think she knew what she was doing, but that's my, that's, <laughs> I will die on that hill, but whatever. Okay. So we had some listener thoughts on this. Megan said, Sharon's diabetes problem is really concerning me. I really hope that this doesn't lead to her stepping down as boss. Also, she's the queen of sass. I've really missed her sarcastic remarks. They're clearly building up towards some sort of diabetes problem with her. Yeah, like, I, well, and it, yeah, the stress that's obviously on top of her already having her di- issues with her diabetes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely building it up. I just hope they don't build it up so long that this is going to be like the season finale cliffhanger of like, is Goodwin going to be okay? Like, don't give me that. Like, I don't want that. Just like- you know yeah but yeah yeah I don't think she'd step down though I think it's just eventually all this stuff is going to take a toll on her and that the fact that she kind of pulled a little bit of a Will Halstead there when she told him like stop you know it's affecting my blood sugar but then she went and called the FBI herself mm-hmm. interesting how the tides have turned yep so next up we've got Stevie and Will Stevie and Will Bryna take it away oh man oh man these two so we kick things off and stevie is being questioned by the fbi and she is kind of putting a rock in a hard place because they're asking about you know what happened with the eleanor holt stuff and it, she basically has to kind of on the fly think about whether she's or not is going to cover for will and then they're like oh no just kidding they're like they ask her the question about will and they're like actually we'll come back to that like we already got a statement from Paul said later you know earlier you leave my william alone leave him alone yeah well and also just like i don't I, I mean i get why they obviously have to question everybody like <laughs> i get it but it's like they clearly didn't know anything. Like the only people who knew it was a good one asked Will to investigate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was who knew. Like Will did. I don't know. But mm-hmm. anyway. So, and like again, like we said earlier, it's obviously a big hoopla around, you know, just the city and stuff. Cause Archer walks into the ED and mentions to Will, he's like, Oh yeah, there's this other newspaper article about you. Like, why don't you put it in your trophy case or whatever? Yada, yada, yada. And Will's just like, I didn't do it for the accolades scene, which is like something I feel like season one, William would not have said. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. I, I cracked up, but I, it was a simultaneous reaction here. He was like, I thought you'd want to cut it out and put it in your scrapbook. I was like, <laughs> but also asshole. Like, yeah. I thought it was funny. But like, I really don't think, like, I think Will from a couple seasons ago, I don't know if he would have done it for the accolades, right? Like, I don't think Will would have still done it for that reason, but I don't think he would have minded back then if he'd gotten all the press and the glory and whatever. But now he clearly is like, no, like, that's not what I was doing it. I was doing it to right a wrong. Exactly. Season one, Will would have probably claimed that it was to right a wrong, but like part of him was really like, I'm in it to whistleblow and get the glory here. So yeah, you know, it's definitely a lot of growth on his part. The fact that Sharon and Will have mended this relationship through this is it's huge. Crazy. 
Yeah. Things I didn't think were going to happen, but right. Anyway. Um, so then of course, Phoebe's also kind of pissed at Will and approaches him like once she, you know, comes back from her morning with the feds and she's like, you know, why didn't you loot me in? Especially when it came to Eleanor, like if I had known what was going on, like I may have treated her differently. And Will doesn't really have anything to say at that point. You know, he does, he, he's just like, I'm sorry. You know, like this, this is, this is part of what was so surprising to me is that like his coworkers weren't even just like, no, you did the right thing. I have your back. They were like, I had to talk to the feds this morning. Like, thanks jerk. I was like, what? I don't see. I think, I mean, I I think Stevie was a little harsh on Will. I understand why she's, you know, kind of frustrated because obviously, you know, her kid, I mean, I don't think she killed Eleanor Holt, right? Like, I don't think it was her fault that Eleanor died, but like, Obviously, I'm sure she feels now kind of guilty is like, oh, shit, like I took this guy's advice who knew he was trying to kind of lead me on to maybe a bad product. And like, had I done something differently, I could have possibly saved her life. Um, Again, I don't know if she could have or not. But like, you know, I think it's just more of Stevie's now questioning everything she has thought and done, you know, especially when it comes to Will and the Vascom and Cooper and yada, yada, yada. So I, I think it was a little harsh to take it out on Will specifically, but I understand why she's like questioning everything. Yeah. 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 So they are working together this week though. So fun times all around Mm -hmm. and they get a patient from Haiti who doesn't speak any English. So his son is there to translate. Um, His son's been in Chicago for a couple of years and he's just finally joined him from Haiti like a couple months ago. And basically he fell, hurt his arm, hit his head, you know, nothing super crazy. But the son mentions that like once he fell down the stairs and he's been clumsy a lot recently. So Stephen Willard just like, yeah, we'll get all the basic labs, check it out, you know, yada, yada, yada. Basically labs come back. He's got, he did break his arm and they noticed something though on the CT. So they agree to get a neuroconsult first, but they're pretty sure that they see what they see and the consult confirms it that the patient has early onset alzheimer's in his 40s too which is like crazy and that's even what they say they're like you know it's unfortunate he's probably one of the like five percent or they think they say five to six percent but um yeah it's crazy so they obviously of course go and tell the son about the news and he's of course shocked um you know, and tells what we presume to be, he tells his dad and his dad, you know, is like, okay, it seems not like totally shaken, but you know, it's like, okay. So then later on, we get one of these nurses who we've never seen before and who just so happens to speak French, um, mentions to Will and Stevie that she overheard. She's like, you know, French is obviously not a one-to-one to Haitian Creole, but like they're pretty close. So she's like, I think if I heard right that, their patient was telling his fiance that the son said it was just a balance issue and that with this medicine, it will all go away. And so they're, wait, they're like, wait, what? Like what? Huh? And so they go and talk to the son and he's like, I am not going to tell my dad, I'm not going to have, you know, the last few good years he could have, you know, being ruined by, you know, just kind of waiting for it to really get worse. Um, and so Will seems to kind of want to go along with the son and just kind of play along and go with it. But Stevie thinks he's crazy. 
um she says you know she's like is it his opinion or yours she's like seems that these days you know you're the one who's in charge of what people should or rather you know or should or should not know which is obviously a direct hit to the fbi stuff too but um yeah so stevie of course tries to go all stevie and she speaks to the patient's fiance about the decision to keep the patient in the dark. And of course, the fiance is also kind of conflicted, but ultimately she agrees, you know, with the decision. This is a crazy one. What did you think of this? What about keeping him in the dark? About yeah, I'm not them not telling him. I don't know. Like on the one hand, I I can kind of see where they're coming from because um, my grandfather had Alzheimer's and although it was never really confirmed, they kind of think that my mom had like maybe some early onset stuff mm-hmm. too. So like, it's something that's really close to my heart. And like, I think about it and I'm like, on the one hand, I think knowing helps and, you know, helps explain some behaviors and it's easier when you then are around other people too for when people act a certain way or don't remember whatever to just be like, you know, it's Alzheimer's and then people kind of get it and know how to react to certain, certain situations a little bit better. But on the other hand too, it's like, I can understand too the idea of like, just kind of enjoying the time that is still good and, you know, not thinking about like, okay, well, is he just going to get sicker and sicker? Is it, you know, when is the time, like, when is the deadline? You know, when is that happening? Like, I kind of see both sides and like, I don't think that that's a bad decision. It wouldn't, I think be my personal decision, but I don't think like, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. The minute that the son explained it and was like, you know, it's been all just struggle in Haiti and now he's here. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. I understand that a lot. Yeah, just like enjoy the time you have because like obviously once it happens, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it really sucks. Um, And, you know, if you can enjoy the time and not even without the cloud of Alzheimer's, you know, kind of looming over everything, like I can't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Um, Will ends up going to Stevie after kind of their patient checks out and apologizes for the whole VASCOM situation. And we have a clip here. Just so you know, the VASCOM business, sneaking around, playing nice with the enemy, it sucked. But I needed to protect patients. I had to help. And if I had to do it again, I would. So I'm sorry, I didn't fill you in. I wish I could have. No, you were doing what you thought was right. Yeah, I get that now. So we're cool? Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> um, hey, the device rep, Jessa, did you sleep with her to get the information you needed? No. Absolutely not. Good. Stevie. Yeah, I did not expect her to go there. Stevie, I know I'm proud of her, though, for just laying it out and being like, did you sleep with her? Okay, good. Well, yeah, and then, like, the smiles, too, though, as she, like, leaves. I just, I'm, 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 I'm into, I mean, I'm glad that it's definitely a slow, slow burn. I don't need them to, like, hook up right now, but, like, I'm definitely into the CB Will. There was an opportunity there for the most perfect Halstead Brothers parallel that they did not take, where, like, when she asked him, he could have been, like, 
I was a perfect gentleman, which is exactly what Jay told Aaron <laughs> in the beginning of season two, but they didn't take it. Oh, it was good though. Yeah, for sure. No, I've, I'm excited to see what happens with these two. Again, I'm kind of glad they're taking a slow burn approach, which is definitely not the way a lot of Will's relationships go. <laughs> so I'm glad that this is the, this is the approach they're taking to this. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect her to be just like straight up like, hey, Jessa, did you sleep with her? <laughs> and Will's like, no. I'm so glad he was like emphatic about it. And he was like, he's like offended. Not. He's yeah. like offended at the fact that she would even imply. But I'm like, Will, we've been talking about it for weeks. Like, yeah. don't be so offended. It's not like out of the realm that you could have done that. We've known you for a while, Will. <laughs> like, yeah, we've yeah. known you for seven years now. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It would have been even better. He was like, no, she's 12. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But um, we did get some listeners' thoughts on this. Megan just said, um, Will and Stevie's friendship partnership impresses me more and more every week. I saw that smile at her towards the end. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm with you on the slow burn. It's nice. But I also wouldn't hate it if they wanted to make out now. I don't know. I think... For Will, and because I'm always kind of like hot and cold on Will's relationships and sometimes the way he acts in them, like to me, I'm enjoying the slow burn. Again, I don't need slow burns to be like ridiculously long, long, long drawn out slow burns, Mm -hmm. but like I can appreciate a good slow burn. And so I'm okay with where we're at right now, but I am enjoying their banter and their chemistry and, you know, I'm I'm intrigued and I want more of it. So Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So now we get into Marcel and Dr. Blake. Ooh, this storyline had me ready to fight. Yeah, if I didn't already like Dr. Blake, then this would have done it for me. Okay, so Marcel and Dr. Blake, they have a patient who has a genetic kidney disease. Genetic. So the son has a developmental disorder, um, like a severe developmental disorder. But he's also like his dad's only hope for a kidney so dr blake like explains it to crockett and she's like i've shied away from testing him because it's complicated so then we find out that you know again he has developmental delays and she's like no like he's the only hope now we have to test him and at this point we're like 15 minutes into the episode and i'm like on the couch like take it i dare you i fucking dare you like yeah oh i was so mad i was ready to fight right from the get-go so thank God for Crockett being on this case. Oh my God. I would have wanted to punch things if he hadn't been on this case. Holy shit. So off the bat, Crockett's like, yeah, hell no. Um, no. But then he comes around a little bit. He's like, okay, but we're on safe ground legally, but what about morally? And Dr. Blake like hits the, like, the magic button of like, let's assemble the ethics committee. Like <laughs> there's the button on the wall. Take the drink. <laughs> so yeah, the ethics committee. Because, you know, they're not busy enough with all this VASCOM stuff. Like, let's just assemble them to make this quick decision. But now that I'm thinking about it, like, I don't think Goodwin ever once consulted the ethics committee, right? Like, when she was, like, having Will go through, you know, do all this, like, dirty work or whatever. Like, she never once consulted the ethics committee, right? No, because there's a chance she might know what we know is that the ethics committee at Chicago Med is, like, super fucked up. Like, there, there pretty much is no ethics committee at Chicago Met. They're like, ethics? Like, what the hell is that? But yet she calls them in for a lot of other stuff. 
<laughs> I mean, if we start trying to make sense of like the bureaucratic process at Chicago Med, we're going to drive ourselves insane. I mean, I know, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, wait, what? The only okay. rule at Chicago Med is there are no rules. <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> It's like Fight Club. Like, we don't talk about the rules at Chicago Med. No. 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 Well, it's HIPAA. It's fine. HIPAA? I've never heard of it. HIPAA? That's an animal, right? <laughs> I've heard of that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Okay, yeah. So, so Dr. Blake's like, let's just round up the ethics committee. Like, they're already here because, you know, I work at Chicago Med, and this is a hospital of crazy things. So, they're already here. Let's just assemble them and find out. The ethics committee is like, oh, what's that? You don't want this kid to have autonomy over his body and make a decision? Totally fine with us. I'm sorry, what? What? Okay. It does not go well. So Blake is like, yeah, go test him. We got the okay. Like, cool. So Crockett finally gets this kid in a room to like do the test and take the blood test and everything. And I mean, this kid makes his wishes pretty clear right from the get-go. He's like, hey, my arm's cold. Hey, that tourniquet hurts. Hey, I don't want to do this. I mean, he really can't make it much more clear. And so Crockett's like, I know I can't do that yet. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. And finally, when he takes out the needle, this kid, Luke, just like he recoils and he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want a shot. I don't want a shot. Like that's not happening. So at this moment, Archer comes around the corner and again, thank God for Crockett. Oh my God. Thank God. This would have gone so much different if any other doctor had been in the room at this point. Okay. So Archer's like, do you need any help? Crockett's like, no, we're done. We are finished. We are done. Because he knows that Archer's a dick and is going to like restrain this kid if he has to. Yeah. Although I don't, we'll get there, but I don't think he would have been, I don't know. But anyway, but yes, typical, typical Archer would have. Yes. No, Archer totally would have. Archer would have like found a way to like sedate him or something. He would have made some shit up so that they could like holster this kid down to the board and get his blood. I don't, but anyway, yes. I have very little faith in Dean Archer. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, so yeah, so he's like, okay, well, wasn't that kid like your only shot? And Crockett's like, well, yeah. And he's like, so what's your plan B? And Crockett's like, yeah, I don't know. And he leaves the room. So Marcel mentions to the dad, they're like, we can't use Luke as a donor. And there is still one option we can do. It's kind of like putting a bandaid on the situation. The dad's hesitant, but once he like he agrees, once he knows that it's not going to bother Luke, he's like, yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Again, thank God. Thank God. Because like Archer and Blake together are a very dangerous duo. A very dangerous duo. So once Dr. Blake finds out about this like Band-Aid solution that Crockett has proposed, like he's, she's pissed. And he makes such a good point in the dialogue here. How He's like, imagine how this kid would be going into surgery. That would be torture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorite, I feel like it's a weird word, but my favorite line of his in this dialogue is when, you know, Dr. Blake's like, well, we can help him with his anxiety. And he's like, what, sedate him because we're inconvenienced by his emotions? Like, that's not a solution. I was like, preach it, Crockett. I was like, yes, yes. You can't see us. We're snapping into the screen. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was, I was just like, as soon as he said that, I was like, yes, like, she just, I think the thing that annoys me, A, not only her personality, but B, I don't like her approach to the fact that, like, she sees it almost as very transactional. Like, I take an organ from you, I give you this organ. You know, like, it's just, like, that's how she sees it. And it's, like, 
okay, I get it to an extent, but mm-hmm. like, you also have to remember that these are real humans with real lives and stories and this and that, and not everyone can be the same, treated the same. Bingo. And Bingo. that's the thing I think that really has bugged me about her and still continues to bug me about her. And I don't think I will ever like Dr. Blake. I just, I don't. You know what she did in this episode is she went full Connor Rhodes. Yeah, not in a good way. Yeah, like the bad side of Connor. Yeah. Where like, you know, they get tunnel vision on their, on their objective. What I, what I really hated, she said was when she was like, organs don't grow on trees. Sometimes we have to go get them. No, no, that is, there are human beings. Right. That makes it just sound like I'm going to just go down and drill out the organ into like, you know, like no mercy. And it's just like, no, that is not the right approach. I never want to reach a point of success in corporate America where I see people as just like material things like organs and dollar signs. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm not a doctor on a fictional TV show, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked for people like that. And I don't like, I never want that. That's yeah. No, that was a little bit disgusting when she was like, sometimes we have to go get them. Like woman, no, back it up. Yeah. Back it up. I am glad though that Crockett is learning from her, but also not being influenced by her. Yeah, I think he realizes that like he obviously there is a like listen, right? Like she is a very successful surgeon. I there is clearly stuff he can learn from her, but I mm-hmm. think he's doing a good job at figuring out what he can, like what he should learn from her and what he like when he knows to stick to his moral grounds. But also, I just, I'm not here for the personal stuff too, which we'll get to that in a hot second. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then later on, they're scrubbing in to do the patient's organ transplant, which we'll get to later. Because yes, spoiler alert, they find a kidney. Uh, Dr. Marcel apologizes to Dr. Blake. Look, I should have run PD by you before making the switch. You're right. It was a Hail Mary and it could have ended badly. And I get it if after today you want to drop me from your team. I'm not drop you, Crockett. Strangle you. The truth is, I believe in you. Hell, I even like you. Maybe that's because you pissed me off. Thank you. I guess. Look, I'm not opposed to you wearing your heart on your sleeve. But you and I are strongest when we work together. Got it? Got it. I like you too. He has nothing to apologize for. He has, I don't think he has anything to apologize for. And obviously she apologizes too. But like, literally, I hated it when she's like, hell, I even like you. And then he's like, I like you too. And I'm like, no, I don't want this. I don't want it. Don't give it to me. No, 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 no. Why are you saying this when you have Avery at the freaking hospital doors? Like, (laughs) yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I, I, um, Can I hate we also it. just like make 2022 the year where we all stop apologizing for dumb shit. Can we just yeah. like, I think that should be a resolution for every single one of us, Crockett included. Like, don't say you're sorry when there's nothing to be sorry for. Right. I will say on the professional side, if I have to say one nice thing, I will say I did kind of like how she, when she apologized, she was like, you know, I do believe in you. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm not opposed to you even wearing your heart on your sleeve. Cause that is, I think what makes Crockett a great doctor is that he does wear his heart on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and but she's like you know listen like you and I have to work together and like if we're get you know if we work together we'll be stronger and so like I did like that part I'm like okay professional wise I can get on I think I can kind of maybe get on board somewhat of them trying to work together but then you know he ends and he's like got it he's like I like you too and I'm like no like stop (laughs) I don't want it like you can like Dr. Blake as long as you like like Avery that's the condition right you can like Dr. Blake as a colleague as a friend as you know potentially even a future mother-in-law I don't care but like you you've got Avery like you've got Avery and I mean I'm just like want to pout in the corner I'm like no same same but hey I mean Crockett likes who he likes and if he likes Dr. Blake we are nobody to judge but also we are because like (laughs) Avery yeah She's the attorney I've always wanted to be. Just like. She's amazing. Yeah. And she likes him and she's just. And we like her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have amazing chemistry. And I'm just like. Yeah. I'm a little partial to Johanna Brady. Just Quantico. The first season was so good. But yeah. Hmm. Man. Avery. Just. You have Avery. <laughs> not judging okay so yeah uh go go ahead or was I talking about this I you were my, talking about my this. brain is mush like you guys I'm sorry so and again we haven't recorded for two weeks so I'm like how do I podcast so Dr. Blake walks out talks to Dr. Archer the transplant was a success yay so then she goes well you saved us from an impossible choice like deus ex machina God from the machine is what that means. And I'll be honest, that metaphor makes no effing sense to me. No, well, and this is just such a weird moment because then Archer's like, ooh, God from machine. I like that. And I'm just like, is that enough? A, what does it mean? And B, don't inflate his ego. I meant to Google it earlier and I, let's see. But... An unexpected power, if you Google it, it says an unexpected power or an event saving this seemingly hopeless situation. So just basically like, you know, you saved the day. But he's taking it to mean God of the machines. Well, that's literally what it means. A God from a machine. I don't like But if you like, if you like google it the dictionary definition is says an unexpected power or event saving a seamless you know that's like the google the you know but literally if you take it it means from latin it, yeah okay that makes more sense but also don't play does he go please yeah he's inseparable enough as is but they yeah. just had a weird moment i'm like wait what huh what yeah yeah anyway so then as Crockett's leaving, he runs into freaking Avery. Avery is there like girl bossing her ass off because she is helping out with the Vascom situation. I love her so much. I love her so yeah. much. Well, and then she continues to girl boss it because not, she doesn't wait for him. She's like, hey, let's go dinner. You can go to my place, whatever. Like, let's celebrate. But then he turns her down. Crockett! What are you doing, bro? Now, what granted. What are you doing? Granted, I don't think he can in good faith, like, hang out with, make out with, sleep with Avery now since he's kissed her mom. Yeah, and I don't think I, you know, Crockett, I 
you know, believed to be a good guy. And if he's not feeling it again, I don't think he would either. Like clearly he's doesn't seem to be as into her as he does her mom, which is still such a weird sentence to say, but like, so yeah, and I, I can respect that. And on that part, I'm fine, but like he's picking the wrong choice and that just makes me mad. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So anyway, so Megan R said Crockett gave me total Connor Rhodes vibes tonight by going a different route with the perineal dialysis thing. And I couldn't even be mad at him for the suggestion. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. So then we've got Maggie and Vanessa. Yeah. This, like I said, I thought this storyline, I liked this storyline. I had no problem with the storyline. I just feel like when you had all of that other stuff happening and then you also had this going on, it just kind of felt like it got lost in the shuffle. Absolutely. But also why is HR making this a thing? That's just dumb. Yeah. But anyway, so again, we're kind of coming off of the aftermath of the Christmas party where Vanessa has now told everyone that Maggie is her biological mom. So, of course, Doris goes up to Maggie after Maggie gives Vanessa, you know, her assignments or whatever. And Doris is like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're her mom. And she's like, how would you keep it a secret? And Dor- er, Maggie's just like, I didn't tell you. Which <laughs> <laughs> is just like, LOL. Um, but then, of course, Doris goes all Doris. And she's like, who's the dad? And Maggie just like gives her a look um woman i will say though i'm kind of curious too like i have a feeling that may eventually would be a storyline i'm kind of curious but like yeah not necessarily the time and place to ask that what's that song that you keep hearing on those tiktok videos now it's like this bitch like that's doris like the audacity but also that's funny yeah but also i'm asking the same question too so it's fine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but anyway, so Vanessa gets a patient and basically it's a teenager who passed out at school. Um, you know, Vanessa checks her out. Nothing's like too, seems too crazy off, but she does want to figure out obviously why she passed out. So her teacher, who's the one who brought her in, tells Vanessa that she's been actually worried about this student lately. Um, she's like, I know I shouldn't have, but I looked inside her backpack and found some diuretic pills that were originally prescribed to her mom. So then kind of like we mentioned earlier, like just so it happens to be after Dr. Shintu mentioned the incident at the Christmas party to Goodwin, Maggie gets a call from HR asking about her relationship with Vanessa. And so Maggie goes to the meeting with the HR lady and tells her story and the HR lady's just like, listen, like, I don't actually care that you're related. What I'm more curious about is like, is Vanessa like, is it worth Vanessa to stay here? You know, did she really earn the position? You know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And Maggie's trying to do everything to be like, no, like it doesn't have anything to do with me. Vanessa earned her place here, you know, all that stuff. So Vanessa goes to Dr. Charles first, you know, and wants him to double check with a, her patient before she calls DCFS. And so Dr. So they both go to talk to the mom when she comes in and, you know, the mom basically admits that, you know, she really money is tight and she really doesn't have the money to provide her daughter with healthy options. Um, You know, she's like, we try exercising, but then obviously now it's cold. And she was like, I was just trying to get to spring so we could walk outside together again. Um, And she's obviously really upset about the whole situation, but Vanessa's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, I just see a mom who's doing the best she can. And, you know, they try to help him get into, like, an exercise and nutrition program. You know, it's all fine. Um, 
And Dr. Charles is just mentions to Vanessa that she's like, you know, holding off on DCFS was the right call. Like, you know, you've really come a long way. And, you know, Vanessa just chalks it up to the fact she's like, you know, mother and daughters have been on my mind a lot lately. So then we get the end scene and Maggie finds Vanessa on the green screen roof and <laughs> apologizes for HR getting involved in their situation. You're not upset? You know, when when I first started at Med, I was just I was just so intimidated. The early hours, the ten year binder, the Adderall, that was that was just me trying not to feel like an imposter, like I belong. But I know now I do belong. And I wouldn't have figured that out if it weren't for you. All you've been is supportive. As much as I don't like the green screen roof, this is such a nice scene. It really is. And there's a lot of growth in just this paragraph that Vanessa says. It's yeah. a lot. I do love how she says she's like, no, like now I know that I belong. And like, that's evident in this episode. Cause you could see like, it's, it's a change in her, the way she handles this case. She's like way more confident than she's ever been. Well, and even Dr. Charles recognizes it too, right? Cause Dr. Charles is the one that was on that case a couple weeks ago. And, you know, she kind of fucked up in front of him. And now he's like, no, like you made the right call. You thought about it. You didn't just act and follow protocol. Like sometimes, yes, it is right to follow protocol, but sometimes your gut tells you that you shouldn't. And like, obviously this was the case of like, don't call DCFS. It wasn't needed. Um, and I think he was really impressed with her too. Um, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and just the fact that Vanessa has now realized that, like, yeah, Maggie may have gone about it sometimes not the right way, but, like, she's never had ill intentions. Like, all she wanted is for Vanessa to succeed and to be supportive of that along the way and, you know, mm-hmm. to see Vanessa finally realize that, too. It's just it's just nice. Like I said, I really like this storyline. I just wish it hadn't gotten thrown under the rug or, right. you know, kind of it just I feel like it got really lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we did get some listener thoughts. Megan R. said, Dr. Charles and Vanessa's partnership has been one of my favorite team-ups this season. I really hope the storyline with her and Maggie isn't setting up her exit because I want to see more of Vanessa. I I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get that vibe. I don't think Vanessa's going anywhere. No, I hope not. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no. So. So. Last up, we've got Archer and Dylan. Okay, can we talk about what an absolute crime it was that Dylan did not pop up in this episode until like 20 minutes in? Yeah, it was like almost even 30 minutes, but yeah, it was like, I was like, wait, what? Where's Dylan? We will not stand for this Dylan disrespect. No, not at all. No, not at all. Not cool. Not cool. Okay. So Archer and Dylan get this guy who was in a very high speed car crash. This guy was so unlucky. Did you pay attention to how the crash happened? Did you hear that part? Yeah, he got, like, it ended up being from, like, a rock thrown or something like that, right? Like, some sort of, uh, the car in front of him kicked up a rock. The rock went through his windshield and hit him right smack in the head to the point that he immediately veered off the road and crashed. Crazy. That's some final destination shit. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So they take him up to the OR. This guy crashes again. They take him back up. And right before this guy gets put under, because he basically, he when he crashes the second time, 
he just like asks Dr. Archer flat out. He's like, am I going to die? And Archer's like, so let me be a buzzkill and tell you every single thing that's wrong with you. And that, yeah, probably you are. <laughs> so he's like, no, I get it. Just like call my family. Cool. So they take him back to surgery. And right before this guy's about to go under, he full on just confesses to a murder. Just as what one does. I'm like, I guess I must have like been looking at my phone or something. Cause then all of a sudden, all of a sudden I like looked back at my TV and the guy's talking about murder. And I was like, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It was, yeah. Just so casual. As one does. I mean, you know, totally normal. No, no, no. not at all. You can't <laughs> even know. say it with a straight face. I know. I know. Just Chicago med things. That's a new hashtag right there. Just med things. Yeah. Just med yeah. things. We have just separated things and just met things. Yeah. Yeah. So as that's happening, Archer's like, okay, cool. And Dr. Scott just like, poor thing. He just hits the button and is like, hey, what's the delay? Hey, what's he saying? Like, hey, tell me I want to know. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So after the surgery, Archer talks to the family and he's like, unfortunately, he's brain dead. There's nothing we can do. And then he just very casually mentions, he's like, so we talked right before he went under. And that's that moment where you're supposed to like grip the underside of the couch and be like, oh my God, he's going to tell them. And he just says, he wanted to be an organ donor. You lying liar who lies. That's not at all what he said. But it's like, on the one hand, it's like only Archer, only Dean fucking Archer could make something that like actually turns out to be a good thing still sat like feel controversial and like he did the wrong thing. <laughs> he took some major creative liberties, okay? Because like as they walked away, Dylan's like, so that's what he said. He's like, yeah, a life for a life. That was his exact <laughs> words. And it's like, he did say a life for a life, but that's like- not what not- he meant. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is like, it is a turn out to be a good thing right in the end because obviously that patient ends up being a match for dr blake and marcel's patient kidney wise and that's how they get the kidney for they need for their transplant so when it ends up being a good like archer somewhat had a heart and like did a good thing but like in an archer way where he also lied and like it still doesn't feel right it- he did a good thing, but it wasn't the right thing. Right. But it was the right thing, but it wasn't the right thing. You know, it's like only Archer, only Archer could have us being like, he did the right thing, but didn't do the right thing. And it was, you know, it's like only <laughs> Archer, only Archer. But also like, you're such an asshole. Like, you know, that the problems this hospital is having right now and like being sued and stuff. And you're just doing more stuff that could subject them to more lawsuits. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> oh man he did a good thing but it wasn't the right thing mm, yeah and and it would have done no good for him to just be like oh bt dubs he murdered somebody like it wouldn't have no. just like you said only dr archer only dr archer only archer like fucking i i can't stand him <laughs> like i don't know why it's not funny but it is funny yeah so that. yeah <laughs> all right any other notes on med no I mean not my favorite episode like I said I think they had a lot going on I think if they had cut out like a storyline and a half 
it would have been a stronger episode. I just think there was too much going on. But this is not still med this season. Like, even though it's not a great episode, it's still oh, know, it's still a fantastic yeah. season. It's still not yeah, it's still not bad. Yeah, yeah. So so um, I just think they could have cut some stuff and had it been like make it a lot more tighter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Moving into fire, kind of want to throw some shit. I actually, like I said, aside from the last kind of five minutes, I actually really like this episode. Um, but yeah, the last five minutes I was not a fan of. Okay, so our girl Stella's back, which we all know, right? We were like singing it. Yeah, from let's the- just, yeah, start with Stella, Bodum, Pelham, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I just, I, I have a lot of rants to go on with this this whole thing. Okay, so Stella is back. And she and Kelly are talking. Here's a clip. And it was a chance for me to step off the bullet train that I had been on towards the lieutenant track and just reset. Because once I get on that train, there will be no time for Girls on Fire or much of anything else besides work. Now you don't want to be a lieutenant? No, I do. Just maybe not right this second. You know, maybe maybe part of my panic was just the feeling that I don't need to lock my future down so tight just yet. You just stopped calling me back. And you just left. You left me wondering, what the hell was going on with you? Were you okay? Were you with someone else? Of course not, I wasn't. Yeah, I screwed up. Kelly. Kelly. I missed you so much. I was so excited to come home and just be with you and explain all this stuff in person and not over some dumb phone. And I should have done it sooner. I love you with everything I got. Okay. So she froze about her future. She got scared and was like, I don't want to lock everything down right now. Like Mm -hmm. all she said was like, I don't want to be a lieutenant right now. I think I want to be one in the future. So her intention, like the the fact that she doesn't want to be a lieutenant right now, that's a-okay. That's totally fine. And I applaud her for clearly stating what she wants. Mm-hmm. I agree. The, it's the execution where it was a little flawed. She shouldn't have ghosted. No, but she made a mistake. Like, yes. How many times has Kelly done this to her? Right. And I think that's kind of the irony. The problem is that like, obviously, right. Like, she's been preaching to Severide for all these years like hey you know you could be in the worst spot ever but like as long as you communicate like we can get through it right right and now that's really all Kelly wanted he's like I I mean I don't care like you could be in Boston for 10 weeks like as long as you had just texted me back like you know I don't care you know like as long as I know we're kind of good and like you just even respond to me like I don't really care And like, she didn't do that. And yeah, I think, you know, I think both things can be true. I agree. Like, I have no problem with her, you know, 
feeling like she kind of froze that like, you know, she just, there was a lot of things happening and it all kind of happened at once. And, you know, she just didn't really know, you know, she still wants to be a Lieutenant, obviously, but like in a couple months or like, you know, later, a little bit later down the line. And I have no problem with that. I do have a problem with the ghosting and like, I don't know for me, like, it's always just going to be this what if of like, right? Like, was I don't think any of this was originally the writer's plans, right? You know, we've talked about this, like, I feel like we're deep beating the dead horse. But like, you know, I don't think any of this was originally the writer's plans. It just kind of happened that Miranda had to leave for, you know, however long many weeks it was and like, ended up being five episodes. And you know, it is it is what it is. And we can't go back and change the situation. I just, you know, I think I guess they could have handled this a little bit better but then it's also like okay well how much right notice did the writers have like I think they probably were just kind of like oh shit we have to come up with some way to get Miranda out of here for a couple episodes like how do we do it let's create relationship drama you know like all these things that we've said before and I think it is important though to keep that in mind that like Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it sucks that this is happening because it seemed like before she left to go to Boston, they were in a great place. And like, we thought this was going to be our season of Stellaride again. And like, we were going to have worries. And then we got all the worries. And, you know, but I think they just kind of got dealt a hard place. Doesn't yeah. mean I like it, but like, I think they just, you know, kind of got thrown this. And it's just, they're trying to do the best they can. I'm not, like I said, I don't like it either, but like, Exactly. And at a certain point, there's a, there's an amount of grace that you've got to give, right? Like at at what point do you stop like vilifying the writers and be like, this is crap and just understand like, okay, there's a lot of unexpected shit that went down this year. Right. Right. And And I would, I mean, I I'm sure we'll try you know, what, how much Derek will tell us. I don't know. But like Mm -hmm. when Derek comes on in May, like we'll of course ask him. And I think, you know, I think it'll put a lot of things into perspective about this season, but like, that's what I just keep trying to remember. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I don't like this. This makes no sense. What are we doing? Yada, 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 all that stuff. But then I'm like, they probably had no, I, they obviously had no idea Marina was going to be gone. You know, like all that stuff that plays into this. And it's just like, you know. They're literally doing the best they can with the circumstances. Yeah. And I, again, yeah. that doesn't, I think, but that doesn't also mean that you can't have, that your feelings aren't valid, that this sucks and that this mm-hmm. isn't the way that Stellarite acts and, you know, all that shit, like that can still also be valid. But yeah, like, I, mean, I think you also just have to keep in mind the like actual outside of the show circumstances that led to probably why this writing hasn't been that great. Yeah. Yeah. And, but even even if you say that this isn't how Stellar Right acts, okay, but this is these are issues real couples run into. Right. I guess I more by that I mean like we thought Stellar Right had kind of worked out the like mm-hmm. not communicating part of it. You know, we thought we had kind of gotten over that in season six, seven, and nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I think we thought we kind of figured this out by now. But yeah, I mean, for sure, it's definitely stuff that couples go through. You know, it is what it is. I just, I've been really, as much as I want to be mad about it, I keep trying to just put in perspective of like real life happened, you know, that I don't think this was their plan. I like to believe this was not their plan in June when they were over, you know, planning kind of the big arcs for this year. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think Kelly is worried about legitimate things that he's like, you've never ghosted me before. So it had me asking questions, you know? 
but that's not what he says at this point. And like, I wish he would, and we'll get to it kind of at the end too. I wish he would have just said that. Like, I think Stella, you know, uh, we'll save it for the end. Cause it's more about kind of goes with the end conversation than this, but yeah, no, for sure. I think Kelly's feelings are definitely valid, but right. We'll, right. Yeah. We'll get both there. of their feelings are entirely valid. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. So then we get to 51. Stella's back. Everybody's thrilled. Thank God. So Pelham introduces himself. It's fine. Like, it's fine. You know, I, again, I, I'm seeing this with rose colored glasses. I'm like, they're going to work fine together. They're, they're adults. They're going to be fine. And I'm actually excited to see them bring both of their skill sets to the table. Like I'm not. Yeah. I think what I was curious about and what obviously we kind of realized later was that I didn't really think about the fact that like, obviously people have been talking about Stella and the fact that she's not there, but I guess I didn't really think about the fact that Pelham wouldn't have realized that she was in the running. Hmm. And clearly he didn't seem to realize it until they come back a little bit later. And she, it like, he even says, he's like, oh, like it clicked. Like you were the person, you know, whatever. It just wouldn't have clicked to me. Cause yeah, I just would have assumed, I guess, but. Yeah, that surprised me. And it also surprised me that he didn't know that Stella ride were Stella ride. Like, I don't think he knew they were together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So he well Stella goes to talk to Bowden and he seems to understand but also I didn't like this conversation I didn't like it I didn't like it so he's just like I can't say that I'm too happy that you were gone for so long well that's just too fucking bad Bowden she doesn't owe you anything I don't know I think this is where we still like I get it like I do but you know I just I mean what he can't be happy like I mean he's one of his best lieutenants like I mean you know he's got to run his house he can't be upset that she wasn't gone for so long no not to say that he doesn't yeah I don't I don't know not to say that he doesn't respect what she did or think that what she was doing was great but he can also you know you don't get to guilt her for pursuing her passion project instead of grabbing the promotion right in front of her I don't know but I, I didn't th- I didn't really think like I didn't think much of that line really I, she doesn't owe anybody anything if she wants to go in and develop girls on fire good for her yeah but again and again not saying that that's not a valid re- sales reasons aren't valid but again if she had just communicated that I think everything would have been differently correct correct but also I it just like, it's hard to say that like, hey, right now my passion is really girls on fire when Bowden and I Severide and I think most other people thought, oh, it's going to be like a couple days like Boston really wants to set up a girls on fire. Okay, cool. And then it turned into like a whole tour and then Stella didn't say, no, like this turned out to be really great and everyone else seems really excited about it and I'm really excited about it. Like, again, I just think if Stella had communicated, which is what she preaches, <laughs> then everything would have been solved. Right. Right. I just find it kind of silly to vilify her for not communicating when like Severide never communicates. Like, you know, it just, I don't know. The, there, there's been a lot of vilification of Stella over the past couple of months. I'm not here for any of it. I don't think it's vilifying her though, to point out the fact that something she's been preaching to everyone else, mm-hmm. then she failed to do. 
True. Maybe. And I don't think, and I don't think like, again, everybody makes mistakes and you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is, but I think that, and again, I, whether that's a writing, just a bad writing choice or whatever, I don't know. But like, I think it is like clearly it was Stella's lack of communication that caused all these problems. And I don't think that's vilifying her to point that out. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I, I still, I kind of think it's a little out of character, honestly, that she was so MIA from everybody because of how much she preached it in seasons five, six, seven, you know, like how much she preached it, especially to Severide. Yeah. I think it's a little out of character. And again, was that a writing choice? I think so just to get her out of, you know, Chicago and to get Miranda off set for a little bit. Yeah. But like, I don't think it's vilifying her to just point out like, hey, Stella was wrong. Stella is, you know, didn't communicate. And that's why we have had all these issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So. That's true. So, um, I mean, before they leave, Bowden just says, he's like, you know, you have a long career ahead, ahead of you. You can't lose focus, which fair, fair. Yeah. So then they get a call to this giant fire in a tunnel, which like usually we see behind the scenes things from these things. We had no idea. We were completely in the dark on this one. No, but I loved though, the, you know, cause obviously the Wolf Entertainment account uh, tweets all the little behind the scenes facts or whatever, which I love. I Did you see the one they tweeted that it took them apparently three days to film this? I didn't see that. That's cool. It took them three days because of just how massive it was um and it's a long call too it's like i don't i don't remember i didn't look to see exactly how long but like it keeps going and going and going and going and going um but yeah apparently it took them like three days to film this that's crazy so i think it's like some sort of chemical truck or something overturns and there's a potassium fire yeah which like if you think back to like fourth fifth sixth grade science like and all the different colors of fire that there are that was pretty cool. I was like pink fire. Like, Ooh, that's my favorite color. Cause I'm a mess, but I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. And how like water would have water would have made the fire worse. I was really like intrigued by that. I was like, Oh, but then oh there's my. also actual fire. That's like right next to it that they have to doze out with water. So it's just like making sure the aim is correct because obviously if it's like one inch off then Yeah you know crazy crazy do you remember back to your days of elementary school science and if so what is the hottest color of fire and go i have no idea i no i i i no i'm i'm fairly confident it's blue but now that i'm like now that i'm saying it i'm like wait maybe not to the google um hottest color of fire nope not tire fire fire yes blue <gasps> yay i was right the hottest part of the flame is blue Ooh, this particular link says the hottest color of flame is violet can concur we love our violet <laughs> <laughs> wow that was a terrible pun i know i mean true but terrible pun i know okay <laughs> anyway so yeah, no, that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And a lot of stuff happens during this call, but yeah, so that's going on. Um, what's his face? Pelham. I was like, I was like, Brett Dalton, not his name. Parker. No, that's Spider-Man. Pelham. 
Pelham. He's trying to instruct Stella and Stella's like, yeah, I'm 10 steps ahead of you. So like that's going on. It's pretty much chaos. And then at one point, Bowden's like, or, okay, so Chuck Rodas, like chief, or oh, what is it? Chief? I think it's chief, but he's like the actual fire consultant for the show. Like he actually is CFD and then they work him into the show. Sometimes he's on the outside being like the incident commander. And he's like, get the fuck out. Like it's dangerous. And Bowden's like, okay, I'm going to send out X amount of men. And all of them are like, no, we leave when you leave. Yeah. Like, I love this family so much. Same. I love it so much. I also love how Bowden did not even think twice. He was like, I'm going in the tunnel with you. Yeah. Like, that's the only way this is going to end is I'm going in the tunnel too. Yep. So the whole wheelie when you leave thing, like my heart. So then they get out and Pelham's like, you guys crushed it. Like we meshed together like gears on a Ferrari, which is a really cheesy metaphor. That's terrible. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. And Mouch says, well, kid is home. It's like having the band back together. Snaps to that. Yes. Snaps. So they get back to 51. Pelham sees Stella kiss Severide on the forehead, and then he goes to talk to her. I can tell how close you are with everyone at 51. And uh, just kind of putting it all together that you were the one who was being considered for this position before I got here. So I just want to clear the air. Make sure there's no bad feelings about me taking the job that you're up for. You, You didn't take this job from me, Lieutenant. I took a step back. And then you got it. And, um, you know, from what everyone says, it sounds like you're a good choice. But I have to see for myself. Oh, I stand this queen. Yeah. I loved that she just, without being, like, hurtful or disrespectful, I think, she put him in his place. You know, she's like, it wasn't, you know, you didn't take this job for me. And she's like, I, you know, if I'd wanted it, it was mine. Um, Which, obviously, we all know. Um, and you know, she says, you know, from every, what everyone says, it sounds like you're a good guy, you know, but I'll see for myself, but, um, yeah, I love her. She just had to clarify. I'd be like, you didn't take this from me. Like, keep your ego in check. I took a step back. Like that's what happened. Yep. Stan, we stan. There's been a lot of backlash against Stella on social media, but I mean, it's just, she is a she's a strong woman speaking up for exactly what she believes and exactly what she wants. Yeah, no, I have no problem with this. She couldn't have made it any more clear. Yep. So, yeah. So then as Brett and Stella leave shift, Brett asks if everything's okay with her and Sev. And she's like, well, I think we're okay, but like, I don't really know. So Severide gets home later that night and she's like, what do you want to do tonight? And he's like, yeah, I want to go to Molly's. And she's like, what? Huh? like here's my thing with this because okay so the next morning they have stellar ride sexy time which like happy new year to us we are not worthy but it's awkward it's It's so awkward awkward. okay look stella look you know your man right you guys have been together for a long ass time and you know this man does not communicate okay he's got the most incredible blue eyes i've ever seen in my entire life but you know he is not a very communicative man okay that's when like you can't not say anything. That's where you got to step in and be like, okay, let me ask the hard question. Like it was right there the entire time. And I was like, Stella, you've just got to ask the question. At least she does. I mean, she does to her credit. It just takes her a hot second. She does. She gets there at the end. Mm-hmm. 
because she's the one that initiates that conversation, which again, we'll get to in two seconds, but like she does. It's just, yeah, she could have done it, you know, when she started noticing, not wait for it to just get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, Kelly is usually very straightforward with her. And the fact that he is like kind of avoiding, he's avoiding her kind of that, like that should spell out danger. That should be a red flag right there. Like you spent all those years getting through that giant wall he put up and now he's put the wall back up. Like red flag, red flag. Yeah. So Bowdoin talks a little bit about the last, he's Bowdoin's at headquarters basically. And he's talking about the last call and we, we meet this guy named Kilborn. I don't think we've met him before, have we? I don't think so. So he starts asking about Pelham and he's like, well, you should have vetted him. And Bowden's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, well, not with me. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know you were like the end all be all. Okay. Um, and Bowden's like, yeah, all the same. I'm comfortable. So like buzz off. And Kilborn just says, you'll come to regret it soon enough. Well, we, what are we doing? We've been here. We've been there, done that. What are we doing? Well, and that's why I was kind of confused, too, because then later on, right, like when Bowden gets back to 51, he like mentions it to Pelham and Pelham's like, oh, really? You know, I'm surprised, you know, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, but this isn't going to like basically change anything. Right. And Bowden's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, whatever. It's like it's like they're trying to set us up for like, oh, well, maybe there's even more. And maybe Pelham's not the good guy we thought he was. It's like, I thought we just did this. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I yeah. definitely feel like that vibes. And but and it's also weird too, because like then the camera pans after Bowden and Pelham have that conversation. The camera pans and like Stella overhears. So like, is she gonna be the one to find out that there's like again more shit that Pelham's hiding? Is that what that's supposed to kind of take? Yeah, okay. And and if they go that route where like Stella digs up dirt on Pelham and like basically blows the whistle, then I will say that is out of character for Stella. Like that's out of character for her to be like, I want that spot. So I'm going to go dig up dirt. But I don't think, see, here's the thing. I don't think she would do it because she says she doesn't want the spot. Not right Mm -hmm. now. She doesn't Mm -hmm. want the spot. I think if she whistleblows, it's because, and, you know, does find dirt on him or whatever. I think it's because she cares too much about the house and doesn't want to see a guy like that. I say that not knowing what Pelham's dirt is, or even if there's dirt on Pelham, a guy like that like leading truck and being a part of 51. I don't think she would do it to take his spot. I think she would do it to protect everyone else. Right. Yeah. And again, that's just us speculating if that's what that was, but I don't think they pan over to Stella and even to have Stella say earlier on the whole thing about like, you know, well, I'll have, it sounds like you're a good choice, but I have to see for myself. Like, I don't think they have her do that if she's not then going to find something out about him. Hmm. That's my guess. That's my theory. I don't know, but like, it just feels all intentional. It's weird. It was weird. It's weird. So then Kelly gets home from the Academy and he and Stella just kind of settle in for the night. And so Stella asks about Pelham at first, but then the conversation switches. Are we okay? You're asking me? Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I can feel you being distant. And I get it. We're not going to zoom right back to where we were, but there's something else going on. Are you disappointed in me that I didn't go after the lieutenant slot? Of course not. Of course I'm not disappointed. 
but I don't feel right about the way he went MIA on me. And I can't help but wonder if one of the reasons you're so scared about locking down your future has to do with us getting married. Whoa, Kelly. Oh, babe. Maybe I told I You are the one thing that I am sure about always. You didn't answer the question. Do you still want to marry me? How did she not say yes? There was like a five second gap between the end of the scene and the end of the episode. She had plenty of time to say yes. Yes, 100%, 100%. The other part about this whole thing that bothers me, right, is because I understand that Kelly has this fear, right, that like, he like he says he's like i can't help but wonder if one of the reasons you're so scared about locking down your future is like having to do with us getting married i truly believe that kelly feels that way right but kelly clearly also had a problem with the fact that again she has always preached communication and then she didn't do it herself i wish he had said that to her i wish he had laid it out to her as like hey one of the things you've always told me is to not shut down and you did that to me in Boston. Yeah. And like, I wish he had pointed that out to her. Cause I think that would have really gotten through to her too. Mm-hmm. And like, that clearly seems to be a big issue for her. I don't think it's solely the fact that like about the marriage stuff, I think it's also the communication. And I wish he had laid that out to her. Like that feels missing from that, like severed moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- this is cliffhangers, the celery cliffhangers two weeks in a row. I don't like it. It's not good for the anxiety. No. And like, so what are we going to pick up with next week? Start being like, yes. Better freaking say yes. Right? Ugh. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, like, I it don't either. like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. But granted, in all the interviews that Derek did back in the fall, like he made it sound like it was just going to be like Severide was just kind of doubting himself for a minute and they're going to smooth it over. But like they freaking better. And I, and it may be, and I think Kelly's, but I, and I think his feelings are valid, but like, I also understand why, like she did avoid the question. He did like, if you know, like Severide is like you said, Severide is a very straightforward guy most of the time. And he needs things spelled out to him, like specifically. So she avoided the question and he just wants to know, like, do you want to still marry me? Mm -hmm. Especially for a guy who wasn't even considering marriage and, you know, for so long, you know, I mean, he had that one marriage, but that doesn't count. But like, really, his real marriage, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I could I could see why he's like heartbroken over this. For sure. For sure. It's so. just, yeah, I mm. think they just need to go back to communication. I just, like I said, I keep putting, trying to put it in perspective. Like when I get really worked up about it, I'm like, okay, like, let's put it back in perspective this probably only happens because yada 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 like i try to just like okay (laughs) yeah so we had some listener thoughts on this one angela said first of all i thought about this now that stella is back there uh wait what back there is for lieutenant of the there's a typo in there sorry uh so first of all i thought about this now that stella is back at the firehouse like that's funny for stella ride i'm glad stella's back but kelly you finally have the apartment to yourself with your fiance and for two years like why not stay home and just enjoy being home alone with her because he is in his head and he feels like she doesn't love him anymore yep 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 
Um, Megan R said, in terms of the stellaride issues, I see things from both sides. I understand why Stella is hesitant to be lieutenant right now. Girls on Fire is her baby built from the ground up and she doesn't want to let go of it yet. But I also agree with Kelly. She should have called him and not froze, not froze on him, freeze on him. The English. Um, (laughs) Stellaride's going to be okay. I'm sure of it. And she said, so glad to see Stella back and reunited with her people. For sure. For sure. Yeah. They're going to be okay. We're going to manifest it. They're going to They're be gonna okay. They're going to be okay. They're still going to get married. It's all going to be fine. They're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's, it's gonna, just. Yeah. It's going to be totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. <sighs> just still a right prayer circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So moving into Violet and somebody who's very quickly becoming one of our favorites, <laughs> um, Chief Hawkins. And I say that in no way to suck up to Jimmy Nix, who plays Chief Hawkins, who we are definitely trying to get on the podcast. We're working on it. We're working, We're working on, on it. it. Hi, Jimmy. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved this. I loved everything about this. Same. Um, yeah. So, okay, let's just get into it. So, Brett mentions in the beginning of the episode that she's actually going to Oregon next shift for Griffin's birthday. Um, you know, they have all these plans, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, so Violet, you're going to need to find a floater, you know, to fill in for me. Well, it's like, okay, cool. But like, you know, the floaters are not that great. They're floaters for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But anyway, so Chowd is still a floater. Or did he actually finally get a permanent Ambo position? That is the question. I want to know what Chowd is up to. Yo, I, t- sometimes I miss the days of Chowd. What if he like settled down? Oh my God. Macaulay too. Oh man. I know. I know. I know. So, um, USA now, like now that the new year started USA network, they're, they're actually showing fire like old episodes and rhymes with chow was on the other night. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was like super late. Like I really needed to go to bed, but I was like, I'm not, not watching this episode. Like that's a great one. Yeah. That one. Love it. Um, but anyway, so Hawkins shows up on the scene of the potassium fire and okay but this is where I have a question right okay so he's the field chief so I understand why he's obviously there's a big call he's in the field I get it right like that makes sense to me yeah but then you're telling me there's been a field chief this whole time and we've literally never seen someone above Brett or whoever was the um paramedic in charge on a call like, why um, now? Like, well, I guess it's just because it's Hawkins and that's his title and they're trying to have him show up at things. But like, right? Like, field chief. Do you remember Chief Lugo, the one who presented the Puerto Rico idea to Gabby? Yeah. I wonder if he was like that role. But now, like, this is the but, first time they've like made, you know, a, like, right. put a and spotlight I get, on the paramedic chief. Right. Like, I get why they're doing it. Right. Like, I'm not stupid. Like, <laughs> I get it. But like, I was just one of the things I was like, oh, paramedic field chief. It makes sense why he's in the field with them. But like, but also, but I, I don't mean, know. It, okay. Paramedic field chief, but also like, there's not just one paramedic unit in Chicago. So like, how does, how do they decide where he well, goes? And then I know there's like the ambulance commander, which is, I think kind of like the big wig like okay. the one that's like at the top, I think, I hmm. think. So I don't know. Yeah. I thought I, I like we kind of finally you think after 10 seasons we finally get like the fire kind of hierarchy down and now we <laughs> turn into like ambulance hierarchy like I don't get it I don't get it either 
I don't get it. I just thought it was, you know, again, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, now that we have a reason to have Hawkins show up, like, you know, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's there because, again, he is the paramedic field chief. So he's in the field (laughs) and he's like talking to Violet and Brett and Violet goes all like super smart mode, which I love. I love when Violet goes into her like super smart mode and starts explaining about potassium fire or whatever. And he's just like, somebody's parents bought her a chemistry set. And she's just like, shyly, she's like, I bought it myself. Like, she's so proud of the fact that she bought herself a chemistry set as a kid. And then like it pans back to Hawkins and he's like, Hard eyes at the, he's just like, that's like the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Violet for president. Okay. Just like Violet for president. I like, stan Violet McCommy so yeah. much. Like McCommy Gallo 2024. I just, I love McCommy. I, I love her. I love her. She's, love her. she's the best. She's the I best. Love yeah. Love her. Anyway. So Brett and Violet are hanging out later at Molly's and Brett's like, oh, have you like heard anything about who the floater might be yet? And Violet's like, no, I don't like, but who's left in the floater pool is not pretty. So like, it's not going to be good. So Violet arrives to her next shift and she's like afraid to figure out who her (laughs) floater is going to be. She like goes up to Mouch and she's like, please tell me it's not Ryan. Like why it would be a terrible, you know, she's like rambling all these names about who she hopes it's not. And she turns the corner and who is her floater? It's none other than Hawkins. Because of course, Hawkins is like, oh, you know, I just happened to so be doing all of these ride-alongs over the next couple of weeks and saw that you needed a floater. So what perfect timing, you know, yada, 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 yada. And so they're talking and they're by the ambulance and going through things. And like Gallo looks on and he is so jealous (laughs) he is so jealous but he won't admit it like Pella notices and like kind of ribs him and Gallo's like no 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 like no 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 it's fine it's everything we're good he's so cute though and he's like why does the paramedic chief come to be a floater like that just doesn't make sense (laughs) well and even at one point he says he's like that's so wackadoo I'm like that's (laughs) such a I'm like that is the most Gallo thing I've ever heard in my entire life they really like right when you think they can't be any cuter they just go and get cuter yeah wackadoo I just I can't. I can't. Ugh, yeah. I but can't. anyway, so Violet later on is like giving Hawkins a 51 tour and she like points out, she's like, this is where the good candy is, you know, yada, yada, yada. But like Hawkins isn't a candy guy, which like the blasphemy. Um, and then this is where Gallo tells us the fact that like sour candy is like in a shipping delay or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Thank you, Gallo, for that information. I mean, now the question is, 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 is Hawkins not a candy guy or is he just not a sour candy guy? Cause like, I love that is candy. The question. That is the, I love sour. This is the, wait, back up, what? back up. What? You said you don't like sour candy. Mm-mm. How are we friends? I, I That's I an acquired candy. taste though. I love sour candy. No, that's an acquired taste. Like, I mean, chocolate still is like number one, obviously. And then I would put sour candy, like right below chocolate. Milk, chocolate, or dark? Milk. How are we friends? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But yes, the Hawkins candy dilemma is like hard-hitting journalism. And we need to figure this out. Because I even tweeted last night. I was like, so far, that seems to be the only negative thing I've learned about Hawkins. Is the fact <laughs> that he doesn't seem to be a candy guy. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so Ambo gets called out on this call which is basically a water birth gone wrong 
And so they're working on the baby, trying to get him to breathe again. He's not breathing. And Hawkins actually even like steps back on the call and lets Violet shine and do the tubing or whatever it was. And she's like, wait, you're not gonna. And he's like, no, no, he's like, you got this. And I'm just like, yes, she does got this. She does got this. I love that. Moment. I thought that was great. Um, and of course the baby's fine. Baby's gonna be okay. You know, yada, yada, yada. It's all great. And then they come back to 51 and they're cleaning up in the back of the Ambo, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And Violet's like, you know, thank you for being the best floater I've ever worked with. And he just tells her, he's like, you know, my pleasure. Like, he's like, you're a really talented medic. And he's like, and a lot of fun to be with. And then he just like walks away and she's just like, it like dawns on her what he just said. And then she gets like the biggest smile on her face. It's the cutest. It, it, it's pretty cute. And I, I really want to mention that Hawkins looked really good in that like <laughs> long sleeve gray shirt that he was wearing, but we're trying to get Jimmy on the pod and I don't want to be awkward. Too late. Uh, Too late. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Cause I would have said something very similar. So it it's fine. Really good. Uh, yeah. But uh, I feel like, I mean, if you guys listen to the pod for any length of time, then you guys know that, like, if I really like, if I'm really into something, then I watch scenes, like, hundreds of times. I've definitely watched this scene today. Like, I don't even know how many times. (laughs) I just, I really like them. I mean, obviously, I think it's still kind of obvious. I feel like Gallo and Violet eventually, whether that's the end of this season or even in next season, Violet and Gallo are in game, and that is still who I would want to be together in the end. But I am really enjoying the Hawkins and Violet relationship. I think they have great chemistry. It's very different from her relationship with Gallo, but I still really like it. I'm very into this right now, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, let's go full steam on this. Like, I'm I'm here for this. This can be like the present day version of Gabby and and Jay, where like they're not end game but they're cute for what they are. Yeah. Somebody said Gabby and Mills. Um, I saw that on Twitter. Oh, that's a good around. one too, where you're just um, like, yeah, like they're, they were never going to be end game for, for what they were. They were cute. Yeah. Like I really like this. I don't, like you said, I don't think they're end game like at all, mm-hmm. but if this is like where we're going for the whole rest of like the back half of the season, like, I'm not going to complain about it. I really like this. Mm-hmm. This scene was really cute. And I, like I said, I definitely watched it like 20 bajillion times today. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Sure. <sighs> um, of course, listener thoughts. There were a lot of listeners. Th- we got some like sent into us, but like Twitter was like blowing up about this last night. Yep. Oh my God. Like we're good. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm knocking shit over. Just don't mind me. Carry on. Um, but anyway, so Megan R said Hakami. Is that what we're going with? Hakami? I love it. Um it's a shift that the writers should definitely capitalize on. I I think they're going to, it seems like. Derek even said in an interview, you know, he's like, we like the love triangles. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and she says, if they do and it's written right, they could totally be Fire's version of Vickley. Mine is a heartbreaking end, similar to what Vickley had. We could do without that. Vickley oh being Vic and Ripley from Station 19. Yes. Ugh. I saw Hawkami. I also saw Hawklet. Uh, yeah. And both of those made me laugh. Right. I just the hawk part of it just makes me be like bow and arrow hawkeye like love it um 
but yeah oh man I, that comparison is really interesting um obviously Vic and Ripley still kills me that death I will never get over ever I know ever, I know. ever. but yeah I, I just, still can't bring myself to catch up on station 19 I know I don't think they're I don't know when they're coming back but it's gonna be a rough one mm-hmm. anyway yeah, for sure for sure um but yeah really enjoyed the violent hawk or i'm see i was about to say hakami i'm like about to say i was like looking at it the violet and hawkins stuff i really enjoyed and yeah, yeah we're trying to get jimmy on so hopefully we are soon. if hopefully. you're out there jimmy hi <laughs> like we just love the franchise we would just love to chat and you have your own podcast and we know that so we would love to just chat about that too <laughs> yeah exactly yep yep it's all fun <laughs> anyway so Ritter had a big storyline in this episode the full circle-ness of like this whole thing just like tugs at the heartstrings I think this was like the best thing they did this I, honestly one of the best things they've done all season Ritter's just so like he's just so, too pure for this world like Gallo we is don't deserve role. I mean I'm glad we have him but we don't deserve him exactly exactly like Gallo is a cinnamon roll but Ritter's like a whole other level of cinnamon roll yes like I can't think of another baked good to compare him to but just a precious little bean he I just... really is with just the purest heart like yeah. oh my god so during the big potassium fire call Gallo finds or Gallo Ritter 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 finds a beat cop who's just kind of hiding in the corner like he's brand new he's terrified this is just such a full circle moment oh my heart so he this guy went into the bridge lost his partner and he's just terrified and so Ritter finds him next to a body that is quite literally like smoking and burning yep yeah of course the minute i saw that body that body i was like oh well chris payne is probably going to post about that one tomorrow the special effects guy yeah and he did yeah so ritter basically pulls a mouch and he's like it's okay to be scared but like you've got to get moving like we've got to do something and he doesn't so finally ritter's like okay move your ass like he uses tough love and gets him out and ultimately saves the guy's life Mm -hmm. so after they get out, Ritter sees the guy's partner like completely chastising, or chastising him for not staying by his side during the call. And, you know, he's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When they get back, Ritter asks Mouch if Trudy could get his info so that Ritter can make sure he's okay. So sweet. So Trudy shows up and it turns out he put in his notice with absolutely no explanation. This is all textbook exactly what happened to Ritter in season seven exactly so yep yeah Ritter shows up after or he shows up at Molly's after shift Herman hands him a note and it's a note that Dylan had left for him and it seems like a suicide note so he's like no like drop everything like have Trudy find his home home address we're going like we're like I'm going this is what's happening and so we get this clip you always wanted to be a cop since I can remember Job isn't exactly what I thought. It's a lot harder, a lot more complicated. And then yesterday, you saw something pretty awful. And I curled up into a ball. Had to be dragged out of that tunnel. Does that sound like a cop to you? It sounds like a human being. I wanted to help people. 
be a big hero. Turns out, that's just not who I am. My first big fire. I was so scared, I just sat down in a stairwell and wouldn't move. I froze up right when they needed me most. It made me decide to quit firefighting because I didn't think I was cut out for the job. I saw you in action. You're cut out for it. But I'd never know that if I hadn't gotten the chance to find my footing. Just my heart. I know. I know. And oh. the fact that, like, we're having this full circle moment so soon after he had his, like, it was only season seven. Yeah. You know, hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long, but it feels like it's been forever at the same time. That it does. That it does. Yep. So on shift, Ritter's talking about this Dylan with Mouch and Herman. And Ritter just mentions, he's like, oh, I forgot to mention, like, I had people on my side. Like, Dylan doesn't have anybody like that. And so as they're leaving, Mouch is like, mm, I think I might know somebody who can help out. Never dawned on me once that that person might be me Trudy. Me either. Nope. Nope. So yeah, Mouch meant Trudy. And so they're, they're out and they're talking and Trudy's like, okay, so we get you transferred to the 21st. We get you away from your asshole partner and I will be your fairy godmother and look out for you. I love it. I love it. So much. I also love Trudy calling herself a fairy godmother. Because she is like, I mean, yes, she is, but also like the complete opposite of fairy godmothers too. So like, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Uh, is he going to PD? I wonder. I don't know. Are we going to see the beat cops again? I don't know. I know. That would be mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So Heather B said, totally, probably not going to happen, but I think it would be really cool if they use Dylan transferring to the 21st as a way to bring back patrol characters to PD. I really miss the humor Atwater and Burgess brought to the first season and Trudy's death sergeant role being part of the show and not just a tool for the team to use when they need information or dirt on someone. I think the show's evolved without it, but it would be nice to see patrol come back every now and then with a recurring character. But we have a Dylan now. That's going to be real confusing if you've got a Dr. Dylan and an Officer Dylan. Right, but this Dylan, Officer Dylan is his last name. So really, I guess they could refer to him by his first name, even though that sounds weird. But I mean, but none of us call him Scott. We call him Dylan on med. I know. I know. Well, Dr. Scott, they don't. We do, though. I know. The fandom does, but... I can't call I him Dr. Scott because when I hear Dr. Scott, I think of Lucas and Nathan. What do you want from me? Like, That's when you know you're a Tree Hill fan. It's true, though. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't. But, mm-hmm. like, it would be nice. They did kind of create this segue of, like, oh. But it's not going to happen. Yeah. PD is not set up for that right now. They've no. got. <laughs> no. The way they structure their stuff, it's not set up for that. So. Yeah, PD is like, what, something light and innocent? No, that's not what we no, do. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that they focus on one character at a time. Like, yeah. we have the, we literally ended on a cliffhanger, and I don't think we're going to address it for, like, two episodes. Yeah. And we ended on a cliffhanger. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. 
anyway. Um, and Megan R said, Ruder has come so far. I'm so proud of his growth. I'm very happy that he brought up the story of the high rise to Dylan and how he struggled as a firefighter at first. Yeah. It's <laughs> like you said, it's a full circle moment. Um, it's really great. I just, I love it so much. It's sweet. Very sweet. Yep. Yeah. Moving into cruise and cap. Oh man. I know. This was funny. This was funny. Um, so after the big potassium fire call, Cruz basically goes back into the tunnel to start doing overhaul, and he ends up finding a hermit crab in one of the cars. Uh, I'm curious, have you ever had a hermit crab? Um, you know, I, I have not, but <laughs> when I was a wee little teenager and I worked at Build-A-Bear, one of the kiosks right outside of the store was a hermit crab thing. Like, a, they sold hermit crabs. And so I know things about them, but no, I did not have one, did you? We, so like they would have them, you know, in those little like kind of like cheesy stores at the beach. Mm-hmm. And we definitely had them, Noah had them. Um, I want to say we had like three, four at one point. Um, but like, and I don't remember like that much. I just definitely remember us having them and I don't think they lived that long. Don't they um, live like two days? Yeah, I don't think they lived like super, super long. Yeah, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, it was just like, but I feel like at that time, like in the early 2000s, like everyone I know would like, I'll be like, oh yeah, I got a hermit crab from the beach. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just like, I feel like everyone I know had hermit crabs. That and that's exactly when I worked at Build-A-Bear. That's exactly yeah. when I worked there. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like they used to be all the things. So when he was like, oh, it's a hermit crab. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it just <laughs> Is it alive? Back. It just took me back to like, you know, when being a kid and I was like, oh yeah. Okay. I, I literally haven't thought about hermit crabs in like. 20 years but anyway um so anyway yes so the decal in the car says that it's happy village preschool and so Cruz tries to call them to return the hermit crab so he gets off the phone though and tony immediately punches him in the arm <laughs> and because Cruz told him to do so if he ever worried about like getting otis into preschool again because Tony and Cap are convinced that this is just some like ruse to try to get Otis into preschool. <laughs> and so Tony said, you know, Tony just was following through on his word. He's a man of his word. Um, and, but Cruz is like, no, no, no. Like, I swear this doesn't like, it doesn't, but Cap and Tony are like, okay. That's yes. no small punch either. Like Tony lays it on him every it's time he so has to funny, punch him. Though. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, and so of course the teacher comes by to get the hermit crab. And instead of finding cruise at the squad table she finds cap and she and cap are like talking and like kind of flirting and then cruise comes out and cruise is just like what the fuck <laughs> like what is happening the crab is a she cruise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and so later on at molly's cruise mentions to cap that like he took away his inn and happy village and cap's <laughs> like actually i might have saved it because me and Jessica are going to dinner tomorrow. So in a way, I'm now your in. And Cruz is just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's never a good thing when Cap is your in. No, never. Um, and of course, next shift, Cap mentions, he's like, oh, yeah, like we, me and Jessica, we have a second date planned. And Cruz is like, well, did you mention Otis? And Cap's just like, mm, next time. The closer we get, the more it will mean when I say something. And they're just like, <laughs> you know, that actually kind of makes sense. <laughs> And, it's just like, and Cruz is just like, I can't believe that actually made sense. <laughs> and, but it ends, of course, in typical cat fashion because cat 
they're at Molly's again after the next shift. And Cap gives Cruz Jessica's number and is like, okay, we'll call her. They can set Otis up for an interview, yada, yada, yada. And so Cruz is like, oh, so things are going good between you two? And he's like, they are not. I would not mention my name. <laughs> and then he turns to Tony and he's like, why did I ever think he would pull it off? He's like, he's like, you know what? I don't even blame him. I blame myself. Like, just go ahead, hit me. I deserve it. <laughs> it's just, it's just like a nice little comic storyline. Um, I thought this was really funny. Who has more game between Cap and Casey? <laughs> between Cap and Casey? Well, I'm going to say Casey because he has a girlfriend right now. Like, a, even in a long distance, you know, he's in an established relationship. But I don't know. Cap seems to have some decent games. So, I yeah. mean, hey, there was Maisie. There was and Maisie. And now Jessica. Yeah. So, yeah, but the way he was like, I would not mention my name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean he doesn't have game, though. It just means not the right person. Disaster. He still got the date. It's true. If, got the date. If, if they wanted to give us more about Cap's dating life, I would not be mad. If, yeah, I, I oh my God, do you want to know what I want? I want what? Cap on a dating app. Please <gasps> yes! give it to me. Give it to me. I yes. need it. Yes. I need it. I could just see Cap on like Tinder or something and like going through people with like at the tony. squad table yeah yeah with like tony and cruz and then and he's Seth, like yeah yeah he he's like no swipe left on that one and then like tony fucks up and like super likes somebody or something oh my god it would yeah. be hysterical it would be hysterical i need that storyline dating app oh i love it so much i love it and cap would be on one of those like super niche ones too like he would go on like farmers only or something and Cruz would be like what are you doing like wh- but i feel why? like he's gonna be i feel like cap would be on what like everyone right like he'd be on like you said the super niche ones mm-hmm. or like he'd be on like j swipe which is like obviously the jewish one and, and like because they have the ones that say like you know willing to convert and like i feel like that would be cap like cap would just be on all the ones and be like yeah i don't care like, just like cast the widest yeah. net as possible yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that would oh be couch um we need to tweet randy and be like what say you do you think cap would go on like any sort of dating app <laughs> oh i want to i need to know what caps uh like dating pro- like the bio would be like what is caps <laughs> bio on his dating profile oh my goodness oh my goodness hold on we can think of, we can think this up hold on what is oh god <laughs> like I want to say he would make some like stupid rhyme like something rhyming with cap I feel like this would very much be in Randy's wheelhouse though because if you just look at Randy's Twitter oh. and like how funny it is like I'm sure Randy could come up with something good we're gonna tweet this right now we're gonna yes. tweet this right now we're gonna handle this let me pull up <laughs> our Twitter because this is just too good it's and this is so not good. the first time we've tweeted Randy in the middle of an episode <laughs> that is correct we've done it before okay am i in our twitter or am i in my twitter let's <laughs> that see is, that is i am in question. our twitter good okay okay come on load up okay here we go hey randy <laughs> come on We are currently recording <laughs> this week's episode and had a burning question that must be answered right now. <laughs> <laughs> that must be answered right now. Okay. If Cap is on a dating app, which app is it and what does his bio say? Has yes, that? correct. 
Which app is it? And what does his bio say? <laughs> um, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> okay, thanks, bye. And go with a smiley face. <laughs> there it is. Amazing. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, sometimes he has replied by the end of recording. Other times he replies the next day. So we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. <laughs> it's like how to anyway. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm dying to know though. <laughs> I, I'm dying to know. I know. I know. Oh man. Okay. So um yeah, Megan R said, I've really missed the squad having the comic relief storyline. Like this was gold. It was gold. It was good. And just Tony just was like, he was so like not even he wasn't even pulling punches with the cruise. He was just whacking him. Like did you mean for that to be a pun? No, what did I say? <laughs> you said pulling punches. No, I didn't know. I did not mean for that to be a pun. Punches. Get it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did not mean for that to be a pun. Um, yeah, it was good. That was funny. It was so funny. It was pretty funny. And it's a good note to end on before we segue into PD. Oh, man. I know. All right. It's time PD. to stretch. Stretch it. Stretch it. Just stretch that neck. Warm up your vocal cords because there's going to be a lot of yelling. (laughs) Oh, that felt good. I was going to say, I can't yell because everyone's asleep, but yes. My wine. Fucking episode. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This episode was fine until the last like two minutes. I was going to say, I really liked this episode until the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. We get datum right off the bat. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Adam's picking up Michaela from school. They're talking about her day and everything she's learned. And I, I die. Like, I love that Adam, Adam of all people would still be, she's like talking about, you know, the planets that she learned about or whatever. And Adam would be the one to ask like, Hey, so are they still considering Pluto to be a planet? Like that is just such (laughs) an Adam thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so perfect. And like they're holding hands as they walk out. It's just perfect. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Datum. That yes. needs to be a shirt. <sighs> Why yeah. don't we have a datum shirt? We need a datum shirt. We really do. Message our person later. Okay, so then at, at that point, one of the administrators stops Adam because she's like, you're not authorized to pick her up. And he's like, uh, Okay. So Kim gets called down to the school, clears everything up, but Adam is still like, why wasn't I on the form? Like, which is a valid question. Totally valid question. Like, this is weird. Like, what are we doing? So uh, Kim, like, she, I honestly think that this could have just been a quick oversight on Kim's part where she just like forgot. This is like one of the finer details where she was just like, oh shit. Like I forgot to cross a T and dot an I. But I also understand how Adam could see that as something bigger. But the thing is, though, I don't think it is only because she says, you know, they say that or whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just forgot or whatever. And, but Adam then like, it's like a quick line, but he says something like, well, didn't you turn it in like a month ago or whatever? Like, not just like, a, oh, you forgot to tell them today, but like, you didn't even do it a month ago when you had to fill out the first form for school, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So they they actually they catch a case and it's uh this young girl named Brianna. She looks just like Michaela, like same age. Yeah. She looks just like Michaela. She went missing from the backyard. And it's not pretty. Like there's blood in the back alley. Her tiara was that she was wearing is missing. Or no, uh, Adam finds it. Adam finds the tiara. And so Voight tells Haley and Kevin and Jay to start grabbing all the footage. When we get the first of many, many, many gratuitous shots of the rings, I'm not mad. I'm not mad either. I'm I like, not mad. I like that gif, the, like the Wolf Entertainment accounts we did. <laughs> I was just like staring at it. I was just like, oh my God. Oh my goodness. So, and Void actually smiles. He's like, you guys got married. I'm like, is that a positive emotion coming from Hank? Yeah. Like I honestly though. Like this scene, I didn't hate this scene. Like I like, you know, it was fine, mm-hmm. but like, I kind of wish it had been like, I thought there was going to be more, again, I guess that's not Jay and Haley style, but I thought it'd be funny if it was like in the bullpen, you know, and like Ruzik is making a joke and, you know, like just kind of like one of those like team scenes that I thought it'd be like, I thought it'd be fun. And then like, this was it. And like, okay, so I guess Burgess and Rusick know, but like, we're not going to see them find out, you know, like, I just would have been nice to see them all together. And mm-hmm. like when they find out, but this was fine i wouldn't have minded hank not saying anything at all and it being all kevin who noticed yeah but you know like this was fine it just wasn't what i envisioned in my head like i wanted something a little bit more but it was fine i just but those rings like i love too that Haley, because obviously i you know Haley went with the black ring too Mm -hmm. and like the black ring is obviously bold and so like it stands out a lot more so you notice it like all the time like i love it I love it so much. So freaking much. Uh, there's even one point in the episode where like there's something on Jay's right and like clearly he just needs to use his right hand to get it. But like they make the point to be like, here is my left hand slowly going across the screen <laughs> to grab this object. It, they're so gratuitous with it and I don't hate it one bit. I'm like, no, give me all of the ring porn. I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And also Jay is so proud when it's like, you guys got married and Jay's like, yeah, we did. He's like, so proud. Oh yeah. Well, and then you have Kevin being like, what the hell? Like yeah. congrats. Yeah. Now what I need is somebody being like, Hey, Haley, who's that super handsome guy over on the other side of the room? And she's like, that's my husband. Like now I need that. I need, that's my husband or like, that's my wife. I need that. Oh man, if that happens, we're going to all be dead. We're all going to be dead. Well, it's like after Gabby and Casey got married, like legit married, anytime Gabby would be like, that's my husband. I'm like, what? Who was that? I didn't hear you the first time. Can you say that one more time? Like one more time. Just one more. Yeah. Just, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Hey, this is my wife, Haley. Or like, you know, um, I know we were, we were probably talking with some of our Chicago friends at one point and like, I need the scene where like, maybe like Haley's at med for some reason for like a case or something. And Will's like, Miss Goodwin, like, you know, my sister-in-law Haley, right? I'm like, I need it. I need Yeah, it. that would be fun. That would be a fun one. I need it. Like Mr. and Mrs. Halstead, Haley Halstead, just my heart. But does she, okay, real quick. I know this is not an upset episode, but we're going to talk about it for two seconds. Does Haley change her name? No. I don't think she does no, at all. I, I don't think so either. I think she stays Haley Hilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Agree. Okay. Glad <laughs> we cleared that up. I've said, I've said tucked on. Okay. Whew. So 
The Berziks are checking Brianna's room and Adam brings up the paperwork again. Adam, I love you so much, but you guys are on a case right now. Time and place, honey. Time and place. Time and place. So Adam's like, well, soccer, dance. Like, am I good to pick her up from those two? And Kim just kind of hesitates. And she's like, I will add you on. Like, we'll handle this. And they get interrupted by a text talking about the door cam footage. So the door cam footage shows her looking back at somebody in the back alley, but there's no other cam footage to show who it is. Like, so we don't see anything. So then Jay mentions, he's like, okay, so there are five registered sex offenders within a two mile radius of this neighborhood. Yikes. Yikes. So they split up, they start questioning them along with more neighbors. And so um, one neighbor mentions to Berzik that Brianna's parents fight a lot about what's best for her. And according to Brianna's father, they argue about him being overprotective and not liking the afternoon routine and all that stuff. So Berzik had talked to this one guy, Charlie, and his alibi did not check out. So it turns out that he was a sex offender who never changed his address when he moved, which is like highly illegal. Mm-hmm. highly legal but they go to his house and they don't find him but they do find paintings that he's done including one of brianna the papa bear instincts in adam that are like activated in this episode woo! it's like on another level i don't we've never seen the papa bear in him have we no because i mean up until this point like yeah he'd obviously been in michaela's life mm-hmm. and right like they were gonna have a baby even prior to that but we never got to that point like this is definitely the furthest we've gotten on papa bear adam and i'm yeah datum is in full first and i love it and it's it's incredible because I, re- I remember when this was going on when burgess was debating like oh my god like what what do i do like do i make adam the backup whatever and a lot of people asked her they were like they asked marina they were like do you just kim doubt what kind of father he would be and she was always like no not for a second and now i'm finally seeing that i'm just like oh man like he's he would be the such best, a good yeah. dad oh my god yeah man okay so kevin and ruzik they go track down charlie's car they don't find a body but they find a pink sweatshirt in the trunk but the parents can't confirm that it's hers so intelligence tracks down this charlie guy they bring him in for questioning but he didn't take brianna like he stands by it so he looks at Adam and he's like, do you have a child? And like, Adam, like, these are some reactions out of him we've never seen before. This is one of Patty's best episodes, hands down. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. So he looks at the guy and like shoots daggers. He's like, oh, we are not talking about me. Like, that's not how this works at all. And so he mentions that he saw, he saw other people when he was driving. There was somebody jogging, a woman walking her dog. There was a white car, white car, just like circle that for a second. So Berzik starts trying to figure out a plan of attack before they go in and try and think about questioning him again. These cases feel so different since Michaela. Can I ask you something? Yeah, what's up? Why wasn't I on any of the paperwork? If it's nothing and, uh, and I'm overthinking things, you just tell me to shut the hell up. It just felt a little intentional. I think we should talk about this later, okay? Please tell me now. I think it would be better if we had more boundaries with Michaela. Less official, you know? Make it easier if... If what? I don't know. Yes, you do, Kim. Okay, if you ever weren't around, I think it would be easier if you ever weren't around. I'm only being realistic. 
We're not dating. You could meet someone. You could fall in love. Watch your own family. You're gonna want to move out. And I'm just gonna leave her. That's not what I'm saying. Are you guys gonna leave me? Adam, listen to me. Because Kim, listen everything that you just said to me is true for you too. And from where I'm sitting, I got no right to be in her life right now. I'm some backup plan that sleeps on your couch. Hey. I, you know, this scene hurts. It, it really does. And like, my heart breaks for him that he thinks he's a backup plan. Yeah. But also it's been clear to us for a while that that's exactly what Kim thinks, but hearing Adam verbalize it hits on another level. Yeah, for sure. When the fact that he just loves them so much, mm -hmm. I mean, both uh, not, in, not just in a romantic way, but obviously just like, like that is his family. And the fact that he's just like, you know, when he's like, and I'm just going to leave her and, Kim's like, you know, no, that's not what I'm saying. And he's like, and are you guys going to leave me? Like, he's just so afraid of like losing everything that he loves. And it's just. And I, I don't understand how Kim still doesn't get that. Like she is it for him. I don't understand. How, she doesn't get it that like, and, and there is something she says at the end of the episode when she's like, oh, I really broke your heart by saying X, Y, Z. Right. But I don't, she doesn't understand that like her actions and her words have a lot of power over Adam. Like yeah. her, her words have the power to really, really hurt him. Same with her actions. So when she's just like, well, you might start dating somebody and leave me on a whim. He's not going to do that because you are the love of his life. Okay. At this point, honestly, the way the, a lot of these conversations went, it really got me thinking about it. And like, obviously as a fan, I think one thing, mm -hmm. but I'm curious, do you think, obviously we know that, like you said, Kim is the love of Adam's life. Adam would do anything for Kim, yada, yada, yada. It's clear that even though they kind of aren't in a romantic relationship, like that's all he wants. Like that is very obvious. Do you think, like, honestly, not even just like the Berzik fan in you, do you honestly think that that is what Kim wants to be? Like that she loves him like that? Because obviously she loves him, but like, do you I think, think she, that? I think she does. And I think she's denying it. For, she's she's trying to talk herself out of it. I think she does, but I think but she's, for what purpose at this point? I think it, it's just habit at this point. I mean, she's been doing this since what season three, like, yeah. And I think it's just habit. Like she's never she's just never snapped out of it. It's just I mean, at this point, it's like Kim, I like, think. Go ahead. Like I think so too. Like I think she does. It's just this episode and the way that she was talking. It really just made it seem I was. It made me question for a second. I was like, does Kim really want to be with him? Like I know we joke and all say like, yeah, just get back together already. Like you guys are meant to be. You know, like as Berzik fans, obviously mm -hmm. we want them to be back together as a romantic couple. But like it just really got me thinking. I was like, well, obviously Adam does, but does she want that? I was like, it just. I don't know. I I mean I think she does. I think she's just still pushing him away. But like. I mean, what, what more proof does she need? It's been seven years since the broken engagement. Seven years, meaning that if, okay, if Adam is as old as Patty is, then at this point, Adam's 39. When that happened, they were in their early 30s. He's 39? Uh-huh. Yeah. Shut up. Yep. As of I knew he 10. was in his 30s, but like Patty's yeah. 39. Yeah, he'll be 40 this year. Shut up. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Jesus. And I only remember that because our birthdays are three days apart. No, 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 no. He's 38. He's 38. No, He's I thought he was 82. Is he 83? He's 83. According uh, to Wikipedia. He's okay. Wikipedia. Okay. Sorry, still, Patty. I, I'm not trying to age you. Sorry. But still, geez, I would have said like 35. I would have not have said 38 or 39. But anyway. 
Yeah. Um, sorry, math. I went to law school. They don't teach us math there. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, if we assume then Patty is Patty's 38. So Adam's 38, meaning seven years ago, Adam was 31, right? Now I can't say for my thirties because I'm still smack in the middle of them. But in my twenties, if I look at who I was at 21 versus who I was at 28, they're two completely different human beings. Oh yeah, for sure. And so that might be the case is that now that you you're older and wiser, like give it another shot. You're more established in your career. You're more established in your life. Kim needs to like, let her guard down. And I, what I really wish the writers would be able to like, would try to shake is this notion that it's, it's the, there's a notion that like Kim only keeps Adam around when it's convenient for her. And I really wish they would shake that notion. Like, solidify that for us like but literally every time it's true like that's I mean like it's true like it it seems I don't think that's really the way it is but it seems that way yeah it really does and we've we've tortured Burgess enough okay over the course of 10 seasons we have tortured this woman enough okay she's the Meredith Gray of Chicago PD let her freaking live I don't want to see any of our babies get hurt I really don't but we've never seen Adam needs to get hurt We've never seen a situation where Adam has been in Kim's position. Yeah. We need, we almost need to see it to see how Kim would react. That would be the ultimate, ultimate test. Like that is the, that's the push test we need. Fuck Roman. I know. But how many, I mean, like, I feel like we've been saying that for 10 years, not 10 years, but like seven years now is we've been saying Adam needs to get hurt. And then, you know, Kim, like, and it hasn't happened yet. I think that'll be the ultimate test is how she acts. Right. But I'm saying we've needed that test to happen. Now we've been saying we want it to happen and it still hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it really feels like she keeps him around when it's convenient. And I really hate that. And I wish that the writers could just like clarify that. Like, is that really the case or is it just something we don't see? Yeah. I just, I have a lot of feelings about this and it's just, no, I do too. I do too. It's just to the point now, like, Okay, sure. Like the slow burn was fine, you know, for a couple seasons. Like, but at some point, it just gets to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, either put them back together or just say like they're not going to be together ever. You know, like just pick something at this point. Yeah, because like, I'm tired of the back and forth. If if I'm Adam, I'm I, I'm exactly what Adam says here is that you know Adam's made his decision, right? It's Kim. That's that's it. He knows where he wants to be. And it's in that apartment with Kim and Michaela. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm him, I'm not worried about what I'm going to do. I'm worried about what Kim's going to do. Is Kim going to go meet somebody and run away? Well, that's what Adam's afraid of. Exactly. Exactly. And so hearing Kim be like, you're always going to be part of Michaela's life. Kind of an empty promise. But here's the thing though, is that like, I don't even think it's afraid that like, she's going to like, again, obviously we all know that Kim is the love of Adam's life. Like, I think he would be hurt on some level if she did go meet someone and fall in love and want her own family. That's fine. But in this specific instance, it's not even about the fact that like romantically that like fucks him up and he would be upset. Mm -hmm. He just wants to know for sure, like have something legally written down that says that like he can be in Michaela's life. And that if that were to happen, like he's still going to have a place in Michaela's life. But also where is the line for him, right? Like at what point does he age and get older and realize that he's waiting around for something that may never happen? Right. Or does, is he just one of those people that's like, no, I know what I want and that's it. And like, if I have to be alone for forever, then like, that's what I'm going to do. 
Right. Right. And you always hear in interviews, Marina and Patty are both like, this is such an adult relationship. I'm like, listen, no, I it's not. I don't know any adults who like do this. Who sleep on their best friend's couch, who they're secretly in love with and help like kind of raise their daughter, but not really raise like, the adopted just... daughter. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm starting to call BS on that one. I just, I don't know. I just wish they would like, I feel like, especially for the past couple seasons that we've really actually been getting bursa content. I just feel like we've been in a circle and I'm just like, pick something already. Like just pick something. Yeah. Either you're together or you're not. I but it's understand. not on Adam's end. It's, it's Burgess. No, I know. But like at some point they just need to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> like. And the fact that he's like sleeping on her couch, like he's got his own place. He doesn't even want to go there. He wants to be with you guys all the time. His, I don't think he has his own place anymore. That's the vibe I got from that comment. Like, come on. You're just going to like, the man doesn't even have his own place and you're just going to kind of keep That's him the around. vibe I got from that comment. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the vibe I got from Kim's comment. doing him dirty. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. So crazy. Ugh so Kevin interrupts them before the conversation goes anything anywhere else, which like, Kevin, I love you. I'm always happy to see you, but like, but you have terrible timing. Can you not right now? Can you not right now? Okay. Brian, to take it from here. Okay. So Rusa goes back in and questions the guy again. And Charlie's still like very hellbent on the fact that like, he didn't do anything to Rihanna. And then all of a sudden Kevin comes in and pulls Ruzik out of the room and basically tells him that like they got new footage that basically proves that Charlie was actually telling the truth it wasn't him but 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 like Gina said we circled the white car so it comes back to the fact that the footage actually shows a white car which is of course Charlie mentioned earlier but Ruzik tries to press him on that like okay well what kind of car was it you know what's the license plate yada 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 and like Charlie's like yeah no I'm not giving you anything any you know any more info so Adam takes Charlie back to his house to see if he can try and find you know get more in any kind of more information out of them but they pull up and find Brianna's dad spray painting the word pedophile just like straight on the door Mm -hmm. um and they have like a little confrontation, but once they go inside, Adam Kais, you know, continues to try to get Charlie to talk. And he gives this whole speech about the fact that, you know, you asked me if I had a kid and I do, you know, she's a girl. Um, and he's like, you know, he admits that like, it's a little overwhelming being a dad sometimes, like, you know, being scared and protective and, you know, basically admitting the fact that like he had his dad on blinders on during this whole case. And like, it kind of screwed his judgment a little bit. Um, and Charlie ultimately admits basically that like he didn't see plates or the driver, but he did notice a uh, Indiana Hoosiers decal on the back of the uh, white tra- or white car. And so basically they ended up, what ends up happening, they end up tying it to this guy, Joseph DeFranco, who Berzik actually had interviewed earlier, who he was the guy who told them that Brianna's dad gets upset when she's in the backyard. Um, and then they end up really finding that it's him because he actually, this Joseph guy had a daughter who died, you know, and he's went through a divorce and yada, yada, yada. And so clearly he's just trying to like have a daughter again. So intelligence rolls up on his house and they end up bringing him in for questioning. He doesn't really admit to much, of course, but they do end up finding Brianna at the end and she's alive and, you know, is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Thank God. So... 
Kim finds Adam and continues their talk from earlier. I killed you, didn't I? With what I said about Michaela. Let me be clear, okay? I know that you love her, and she loves you, Adam. Okay, I'm not gonna take it away from you. Well, why you got me in a standby position? I'm not, I'm trying to protect her. That's all. But I'm not leaving. I know she's not mine. But she is. She feels like my kid. I love her like she's my kid. And I just do not want to feel like I'm going to lose her. I can't do that all the time, you know? You won't. I understand things are complicated between you and me. I do. I just need to know that I have a place with her, too. I got a right to be in her life going forward. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> really? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we were going to do it before, right? With our baby. This modern family. Let's do that now with Michaela. Well, I would like that very much. Oh, man. Okay, let's just highlight the one part of this. But I'm not leaving. How much more clear can Adam make it? Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, like you said, but I'm not leaving. Like, I love the fact that he's like, you know, I know she's not mine, but like she is, like she is my daughter. Like she is, she is his daughter. Mm -hmm. Like I know that Kim asked him to be the guardian or whatever, like that, you know, it wasn't asking him to be the dad, but like they've become close. Like Adam is a very emotional guy. Like, of course it was going to become his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Unofficially, officially, whatever. And like, he just wants to know that he's not going to lose her. Adam loves with his whole heart. Yeah. Um, but I will say as much shit as we just gave Kim, like, I feel like we just sat on Kim for the last like 10 minutes of this podcast. I did appreciate the fact that she seems to come around and understand and is like, you know what? Okay. We were going to do this before, like this modern family thing. Like we'll figure it out. Like, let's do it now with Michaela. Like, I love that she finally came around and is like, no, like, you know, obviously it's going to be unconventional. It's going to be modern, but it's going to work for us. And like, you know, cause they are better when they're a team and like, obviously they're going to be the best parents of Michaela. And like, you know, I did appreciate the fact that she came around to that. She's, she's kind of similar to Severide in that, like, when it comes to talking about feelings, like, she, especially with Adam, she is just, like, it's impossible to get anything out of her. So when she says something like that, like, okay, we were going to do the modern family thing, let's do it now with Michaela. Like, okay, if you dig really deep into that sentence, you find, okay, she does care about Adam. Yeah, I, like I said, I think she does. I don't think anyone ever denied the fact that she cares for Adam, right? Like, and the, even though she loves Adam, it's just what kind of love is it? Is it romantic? Like, this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life? Or is this just, like, this person is basically family and, you know, there's someone who's really important to me? I think it's romantic. I, I mean, it, it clearly was in seasons one through three. And that doesn't just leave. That doesn't just dissipate. Yes, it can. I mean, I'm not saying it does, but, like, in that in this circumstance that it did. But, like, it can. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, it can. But there's still, like, you know a part of you that's just gonna like look back fondly on that person yeah it can but i i i think she loves him i just think she's she's trying so hard she's protecting herself really and then she's using michaela as the excuse she's like i'm trying to protect michaela well you're trying to protect yourself too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just 
Yeah. I don't know. But I, I like said, I did appreciate the fact that Kim kind of came around to it at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. So then this ending, oh my God. So later on, Adam is in, you know, talking Michaela in for bed and he talks to her about like basically what he and Kim talked about earlier. And I love the fact that like, she was, you know, he mentions it or whatever. And he's like, you know, what do you think about me like moving in here or whatever? And she's like, you're going to live on the couch. Like, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Like there's a three bedroom upstairs and we'll move in together. I'll have my own room. And she's like, yeah, like, of course she's on board with it. Duh. Oh. So she wants to know if her new friend, Teddy can come over. And she had talked about Teddy in the beginning of the episode. The fact that Teddy is the one who gave her these cool stickers and Adam's like, yeah, sure. Like if he gives you all these cool stickers, like, I think we can work something out. And Michaela's like, yeah, like he has a bunch of them in his car. And Adam's like, wait, you mean his parents' car? And she's like, no, like he has a car. And then, you know, turns to find out, we figure out that it was definitely an older guy that was like talking to Michaela and waiting for her outside the fence, outside her school. So Adam and Kim, of course, storm down to the school. They're very upset. And then as it finds out, they find out from the, uh, social service worker um Mm -hmm. that this guy teddy is really michaela's paternal uncle and and he's filing for full custody of michaela Uh, the like the that moment when like when he when alana was like no like she's this that he's her paternal uncle and like not marina burgess just like came on she was like oh jesus and then like the minute that alana said like he's filing for custody she like her only instinct was to turn into adam and just like grip him and like Mm -hmm. there's that still of like her gripping his arm like she's gripping him for dear life like it's heartbreaking it's also rage inducing because like why can't they just freaking live okay so we have to bring this up and like it's in our listener thoughts too but we got Mm -hmm. a lot of comments kind of similar and i saw a lot of this going on what do you feel like about let me rephrase this. Do you feel like this is going to be a repeat of the Louis Dossie situation? I fucking hope not. I freaking hope not. Uh, Does it bother you that it feels like it's a repeat of the Louis Dossie situation? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it doesn't bother me that it's like a repeat of that. It bothers me that every single time Burgess finds some semblance of peace in her life. Same with Adam. Every single time something like catastrophic happens. And again, we, we just talked about how Kim has been through enough, right? I feel like this may be more devastating to her. Losing Michaela may be more devastating to her than losing the baby was in whatever season that was, because now she, she found her joy. She adopted Michaela. She, you know, she made sure to give that girl a home. She's gone through the steps to make sure that like all of that has happened. And just like that, Michaela is going to get ripped away from her. Yeah. To me, I think it bothers me that it is kind of a copycat of the Louise situation only because these shows are, you know, like it'd be one thing if like, obviously there have been storylines, I'm sure very similar, or pretty much identical to this on other shows on mm-hmm. other networks, you know, whatever. But these are the Chicago shows like the fact that this didn't happen all that long ago for Dossie and very similarly to, you know, the adoption, just like the way it all played out, like it just... I don't know. It really bugs me that it feels like it's kind of a pretty much cookie cutter, exact same situation. Now, I mean, this this is slightly different. Okay, so it is slightly different in that Louis hadn't been adopted by Gabby and Casey. 
Michaela's adopted. She's officially adopted. Like her name is Michaela Burgess. But in the process, I mean, no, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying every single beat of it. No, it is, they're technically different. Obviously, Dossie's relationship was at the time was very different than what where Burzik stands out. Like it is different, but I'm just saying in the general strokes are pretty much the exact same thing. And like, I don't know. It just feels too similar. I just, I don't like it. I, so I'm down the rabbit hole now. Now I'm looking up the family law standards in Illinois. Okay. So uh, I don't even know what I was about to say. Well, fuck. Um, no, like beat for beat, it's, it's it's kind of different. But this is kind of, a, I mean, if we look at this from like the literal, like real world kind of perspective here, this is a slam dunk of a case. Okay. Like, yes, it's yeah. a slam dunk of a case. She's adopted, meaning that, you know, like Kim is her mom, like she's adopted and you've got the uncle like creeping on her at school. Furthermore, when we met Michaela, wasn't it her father who basically killed her entire family in front of her? Yes, correct. Um, the uncle might have ties to that for all we know. Right. And like our friend Jules from the locker room had a tweet about it too. She's like, as someone in the, who works in the court system, like there's no way some random uncle doing completely inappropriate school visits would be able to get custody of a child who's already been adopted. Yes. A hundred percent. I don't, I like to think that the ending is going to be differently. I obviously you don't know. I would like to think it's going to be different and that they're not going to just break our hearts again. Um, but I don't know. Just like I said, again, beat for beat the storylines are different but i think generally the strokes are very similar to the louis one and it just kind of feels a little lazy like honestly it's like almost like someone in the right whoever you know the person who uh like kind of looks over the inaccuracies or kind of looks over like what's been done in the past like just didn't look at fire and be like oh yeah this was a whole like five episode story arc on fire and you know yeah, so I'm 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 down the rabbit hole now. Like I, I did a minute of family law. It was soul crushing and the worst, but that's beside the point. Um, Illinois has the same standard as my own state, which is best interest of the child. But that's custody. I don't think that's adoption. But this is again, this is a total slam dunk of a case. Like my gut in this situation honestly says that they're not gonna lose Michaela. But also, this is PD. Right, right, right. Yeah. I don't I'd I'd like to think they're not going to, but this is PD and lately it's just been a sob fest. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just Illinois adoption law state that any child. Okay. Well, we know that in order to adopt in Illinois, the adopted parent who established residency. Yeah. We know that. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a slam dunk of a case, but at the same time, I, <laughs> this episode ended and I was just kind of like, Gwen, how could you like, yeah first of all how dare you <sighs> and my gut says that it's gonna be okay but then my gut is like but it's also pd yeah yeah that's pretty much where i fall it's like don't... and ramona's so cute i love seeing her every week i adore her she's adorable I adore her. And I love to, like, I love the fact that, you know, because Patty, like, very rarely posts on Instagram anymore, but he posted that picture of the three of them um, that I, Ramona had posted originally. And he was just, like, giving Ramona all the compliments. He's, like, you know, basically being on set with her. I learned so much from her, you know, like, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I, 
I adore her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our friend Rachel, she asked us at the end, she's still catching up, but she, uh, she asked us, like, she was like, oh, like, how was when Chicago tonight? And I was like, you probably had a better night binging than we did watching the live shows. Cause like PD made us want to throw shit. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he, like, this is a losing case. He's not like, they're going to dig into his past and find something. Yeah. They've got to. <sighs> okay. So, and plus, why didn't he come forward when, like, her entire yeah. family was killed? Where was he? Right. Yeah. <sighs> and yeah. with Louis, wasn't it, like, his father that came came into the picture? Yeah, his father was overseas and didn't know, and yeah. Yeah, so, different circumstances. God, I hope so. Yeah. Um, of course, we had a lot of listener thoughts. Um, lots of people are very angry about this whole situation, just like we are. Um, Haley G, though, wanted to point out some Burzik parallels, which, like, I feel like she's always on the Burzik parallel train. Um, she said, 7-Eleven, you have the handhold and the family talk. 7-13, moving in talk before losing a child. Um, 8-05, you can't just replace what we lost conversation and then she said adam carrying that little girl and kim to safety um yeah Mm -hmm. those parallels hurt they do they really do but the 713 one may not that may not be true like we've got the moving in talk they may not lose the child knock on wood no we're not knock on all the things yeah ashley b said isn't michaela's adoption final is there a wait time for it to be final also, I predict slash wishful thinking that them not being married will be brought up. So Kim is going to ask Adam to marry her. I don't think she would do that. I don't either, but it is interesting. I mean, yes, I think that we, at least let's put it this way. We thought Kim, or the adoption was final. Is there a wait time or anything like that? I don't know. But the adoption's like, final. It, yeah, it's hands I, down final. I don't think there's a wait time. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. And you know what? If Kim were to ask Adam to marry her for that reason, I actually would hope that Adam would say no. Because, like, marry him because you love him, not because he's going to keep you your daughter or keep your daughter around. Yeah. No, don't marry him for your own convenience, Kim. Marry him because you love him. Yeah. Um, and then Damar said, just what the fuck? Don't please take away Michaela. Can Kim and Adam be happy, please? So I can't see how this can bring Adam and Kim back together. Also, I loved how the team worked well in this episode, although it was just focused. It was focused on Bursic. Everyone else got equal screen time. It was classic Chicago PD. I le- also like the different partnerships we got. It was refreshing to see Jay and Kevin partnering up more of them, please. Please? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Megan R said in all caps, the black wedding rings look so damn good on Upstead. They do. They really do. Mm-hmm. Love seeing the team ups between Jay and Kev and Adam and the ladies. Nice change of pace from the usual. Not that the usual isn't already awesome. 
the pedophile written on the door is giving me major One Tree Hill vibes from when Dan saw the word murderer on the wall. I did not make that parallel. Good job. Good catch. I didn't either until I saw this, but yeah, yeah. definitely interesting. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> Adam and Michaela are just the cutest. Burzik needs to fight like hell to keep her. And they will. They will. And they that, will. that I feel good about. So I just, I'm still curious. Like, I know, obviously, like we said earlier, next week is a boy in Atwater episode, but like, are we going to get follow up on this? I, can we at least get follow-up for the Olympics? Can we at least just make that request? Yeah. <sighs> Face bomb. Any other notes on PD? No, I think that's it. Whew, we're back in the saddle. I know. <laughs> yeah. So as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Yeah, we know we've been slacking on the Tumblr. Whatever. Um listen, I can only do so much when I'm in like Marvel rabbit holes. Okay. Like, don't judge me. So yeah. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all that stuff. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at mollys at gmail.com. If you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials to our Patreon page. Oh God. What else? Um, if you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. We would so greatly appreciate that. Follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. I almost flubbed my own Twitter handle. I'm at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. Normal schedule. As long as there's new episodes, there will be new episodes of the podcast. So heck yeah. Hell yeah. Feels good to be back in business. So yes. In the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Go back to like washing your hands and using hand sanitizer and wearing a mask everywhere. It's it's getting crazy out there. Okay. Uh Everybody be safe. Have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.